You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And tonight we are continuing on with our lack of a theme, because um, we, we had a theme, but the universe said, nah, don't do that theme, because, you know, we don't want you to. The universe uh, laughed in our faces. Which I am paying tribute with my movie, Pat. <laughs> you are. To our attempt theme. I noticed that as soon as we started, it's like, oh, sweet, you're wearing a Kevin Smith hat that we should have been yep. talking about, but we're not. I also uh, am, am paying tribute to, if you've not listened to the last few episodes, our theme for June was supposed to be June Us Universe, where we were covering the Kevin Smith movies. Uh, that obviously didn't happen, but don't worry, we will eventually do that, just not right now. But I pay tribute to our uh, failed Junus Universe month by getting yet another copy of Clerks 2 on DVD and um, uh, and Mallrats on HD DVD. Because you, know? you that play felt HD appropriate. DVDs on regular DVD players? <laughs> it was a buck. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's a relic. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I own a copy of Streets of Fire for that very same reason. I'm like, That's I'll never be able to play it. But <laughs> I saw it for like two bucks. I'm like, I'm, I'm buying that. It's going to go on my shelf. I don't care. It, oh, awesome. it is just also, such like an encapsulation of time of like that year and a half when HD DVDs were a thing. It's, it's like finding a Betamax now, you know, yeah. like it's easy to find VHS. It's rare that you find a beta. I've got two betas. I think one of them is Breaking Two and the other one is Condor Man which man i've not revisited condor man since i was a kid and i i fear that it's not going to be nearly as much fun but also who cares i've got kids now i have an excuse to watch movies it would have childish and dumb it would have been awesome if you found a laser disc copy of mall rats because if you listen to the commentary like the commentary was made for the laser disc and at one point mm. kevin smith even says something like dvd laser disc is the future or something like it says it kind of in jest but like <laughs> it's really funny well at a certain point like that was the future i mean uh yeah. uh, uh what's his name um peter jackson Roger Ebert. Oh. no peter jackson Roger did that with thing. uh uh the frighteners like that was mm -hmm. around the time that it, it, like it was before extras were such a common thing but he was like i'm going to film literally everything behind the scenes so that we can do something with it maybe put it on a laser disc someday or mm -hmm. you know the blu-ray where you can watch a documentary where the documentary is literally just behind the scenes y'all should watch frighteners it's a great movie and by no, y'all I, I mean both you and our listeners <laughs> yeah it's great and then also check out the episode on the frighteners that we did with brian salisbury of the junk food cinema podcast in nice one of our favorite podcasts 
We have a lot of favorite things. Uh, speaking of one of our favorite things, um, we're going to talk about Chat Film Fest for just a minute, and then we'll get into our movie for the night. But let's talk about Chat Film Fest first. Uh, I do not have any new announcements. However, Dan, you are going to the Chat Film Fest, and by to the Chat Film Fest, I mean to your computer in mm. six short days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn, exciting. that's soon. Yeah, it I, is. Yeah, I know when I went to look at the list today, I'm like, shit, the 24th. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's next week. Okay. <laughs> that's, but look on the bright side. It's the 24th through the 29th. So you've got mm-hmm. almost a week uh, to, to watch all the movies because that's totally possible, right? Yes, and it happens to fall inside co- coincide with uh, my my girlfriend has has to work the weekend shifts at the hospital this weekend for the first time in weeks. It's something she only has to do like once every three months, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> like, oh I'll miss you, sweetie. You, honey, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watch sorry you've been to work all weekend, honey, but uh, I'm going to watch about ten movies because <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be home for us to do things together." So. <laughs> It also coincides myself in the house and watch these movies. So it also coincides with um, my wife and mine's anniversary, and <laughs> you have I, the opposite problem. I did not say this. She said this when she saw the dates. She just kind of looked at the computer, looked at me, and said, "Have fun, sweetie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's she's great. She's like, yeah, go watch your movies. We'll celebrate next week. See, that was the problem I ran into last year with it. Cause I, I bought stuff for it last year and I forgot it was a weekend. We had planned to do a trip away. So oh. I literally, I think got to watch two movies the whole time, uh. you know, for the, I mean, it was fine. Cause I was like, you know, I didn't get to go, but I'm still supporting. Right. Yeah. This. So I'm, I'm fine with that. And the tickets like, are oh. cheap enough. Again, 65 yeah. bucks for the entire week. Yeah, badge. that's a great deal. Oh, so, you good. know, you figure you watch six movies, you, you're, you're good. Yeah. Or like two of those early release Disney movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I refuse. I can't. Pay. I will not pay $30 to rent a movie, even if it Well, then you technically own it because it will be on Disney Plus. It's like, no. You can still take it off Disney Plus anytime you want. Yeah, and also, it's still going to be there anyway. A monthly subscription yeah. for Disney yeah. Plus. Yeah, I I do not understand that model, but that's not what we're talking about. Let's talk about some of the things that you are excited about, Dan, because Eric and I already rambled through some of the things that we were excited about. Uh, if you listen to our last episode. There, there was a like coherent plan for what we were going to talk about, but we started and then we just got super giddy because we love chat yeah. film fest. And so it was just a, ah, this is awesome. Oh man, can't wait for this. So, uh, yeah, so- I, mean, I mean, there's, there's plenty of movies. I, I just started going through them. And I was like, one, two, three, four, five. I've got like <laughs> 10 movies here listed. So what are some um, of the ones that you are most excited about? Uh, alien on stage. I am so yeah. stoked for that. Just because, I mean, that's a underdog story right there. You know, it's yep. local theater attempting to do aliens and somehow pulling it <laughs> off. And from what I've heard about it, and, you know, it's been a story in, you know, nerd sites for a couple of years now that this was just an amazing production of this. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I, I love in the trailer of that one where, like, the guy making uh, some of the props and practical effects. Uh, he, he's showing some of them off and like, it looks like just cardboard with, yeah. you know, like uh, just whatever little white pieces of paper stuck on it. 
But he says something along the lines of, I'd like to think that this is what James Cameron was really shooting for. You know, like if he had had the limited budget that we have, like he was basically <laughs> saying, we, we're doing what James Cameron would have wanted if he was doing this. Yeah, Which, I mean, really, I mean, that's, 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 that's what any of us are trying to do. We're all just trying to be James yeah. Cameron. At the end of the yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, do either of you guys watch Bob's Burgers? Oh, God, yes. Okay, yeah. The episode where Gene and um, Tina had to combine their two high school plays of Working Girl and Die Hard. You know, oh, this working is working hard. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I'm kind of looking forward to. Just this, like this should never work, but because everybody's energy is just poured 100 percent into it, you're gonna enjoy it anyway. Because goddamn it, they care. That See, sounds great. I've never watched that show, but I, I feel like I need to. Check oh, it out. holy shit! You need to check that show <laughs> yeah. out immediately. There's an episode <clears throat> where they are also doing a stage production of the battle between Edison and Tesla. And they are highlighting when they uh, electrocuted Topsy. And there's a song that goes, they'll say, aw, Topsy, at my aw, Topsy. (laughs) (laughs) Especially where you love musicals, you'll love Gene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's always writing musicals. We are going to do a Bob's Burgers straight on podcast. We're not even going to do an episode. We are just going to commit like an entire year just to work through that series because holy shit, I love it's that genius. show. Holy so crap, this has been on for 10 years. How have I yeah. missed the boat on this for so long? I love oh, H. John Benjamin. Uh, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never Everybody. watched Archer either though, so I don't know. I'm just this, I don't watch a lot of animated TV shows. This, this is one of the best shows ever. Not just best animated, just one of the best shows. Period. It, it, the first episode starts out with cannibalism? <laughs> we got uh, distracted. Yes. Dan, what else are you uh, excited about? Yeah. And, the, and I mean, the other thing I like to do with a lot of these is I'll, I'll say right there, if I'll go based on titles sometimes where I'm like, okay, there's, you know, this bloodshot heart sounds kind of cool, but man, mom, mm. I befriended ghosts. <laughs> I'm picking that one first. Or he's dead and so am I. Just. <laughs> You know, I'm judging the book by the cover because some of these, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Right. You know, you can do a little bit of research ahead of time and find out, okay, this is, you know, prevailing opinions on these ones. But sometimes it's fun just to completely go into a film having no idea if you're going to like it or not. And just. It really, like, it. it's one of the only ways that I can have the same experience that I had as a kid going to a video mm-hmm. store where it's like, you see a poster for a movie and you're like, I don't know what the hell this is, but I know I need to put it into my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you can, I, I mean, again, the film festivals are like the only, it's like the last bastion of being able to do that because everything is so connected and online and in your face through social media and all that stuff that I, I like. That. Old, it's, the only thing is like, I've got that fear of missing out where it's like yeah. the one, the one movie that, turns out being the most amazing thing and i didn't watch it and oh, I'm I now, that, yeah. and now that, that i'm not is, gonna get to watch it for like seven months from now because that's how these things work yeah. well that is one of the good things about this being virtual which I, I again i cannot wait until it's in person again so that i can see people in person again however uh i'm going to keep highlighting the uh the benefits of it being virtual for as long as that happens one of the things that I do love about it being virtual is if uh, th- there's not just that one 
showing. You know, like if there's a movie that I watch, I'm like, oh my God, this movie's amazing. You're like, eh, I wasn't really planning on watching it. You still then have that time to watch it rather than, yeah. ah, sucks that I missed it. Are they showing it again? Yeah. No, unfortunately, they just had that one showing of it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that that is one of the benefits of, uh, of it being virtual. Yeah, I mean, if they go back, I'm assuming they'll go back in person next year. I hope there's yeah. an option with tickets to both be there and have it online like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that if you don't manage to get into the showing you wanted to, you can, you know, go back for me to be like, go back to my hotel room and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, plus, I mean, you know, for some people like who may be located somewhere like Maine or something, I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it's a, uh, it's not always easy to get uh, down to Chattanooga, well, the, the, the plans are in motion for, if they do it live next year to go. Oh, sweet. Cause like I I've been, to, I know Chattanooga is not Nashville. They're, they're not the same place. But, like, I've been to Nashville. I love Nashville. It's a place my girlfriend's always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And this is like, well, hey, <laughs> we can take a week and do both, you know? You you could take, like, a week and a half and hit Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, and uh, skip over Atlanta. Go straight to Savannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, they're all, like, just Atlanta. two hours. Great. Man, <laughs> it's... I'm, I mean, you know, Mark and Andrew are in Atlanta, so I, Listen, I do love Nathan, it for that. But they film all those Marvel movies and TV shows in Atlanta, so yeah, I mean, huh? obviously, sure, it's great. I was watching Loki the other day, and I was like, "Oh shit, I've been in that hotel where they shoot this this TV show that is not supposed to be in a hotel, but it definitely is that <laughs> hotel I've been into." <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, yeah, Chattanooga is a great little epicenter of a, mm-hmm. a, of a little tri city thing i'm gonna stop talking so that we can talk more about chat film fest i'm also looking forward to a couple of the the programming uh the taboo cinema programming looks looks excellent Mm -hmm. uh but the one i'm really looking forward to because this was just i was i was alive at the right time for these the nights that panicked america yes which is all about like the real you know true crime stuff before true crime stuff was a thing and they made movies of the week about stuff because like I remember there was an after school special about fucking angel dust that my <laughs> mom made sure I sat and watched. I'm like, mom, we're in, we're in Milo, Maine. Angel dust is not getting here. You know? <laughs> but she's like, well, this is the dangers of drug abuse. And then it showed someone, you know, smoking angel dust and getting so, so worked up. He jumped out of a second floor window to, and I'm just like, okay, now I kind of want to do the drug. Cause <laughs> What was going on in his brain that made that happen? This is interesting now. You know? oh, You've man. taken something that I would have never encountered as a child. And it's like all the stuff with the satanic panic. It's like, yeah, you've just given me a list of bands I want to listen to now. Listen to Judas Priest backwards. I want to try this. Yeah, like that video <laughs> nasties list. It really is just a, um, yeah, a, a top 10 you. bucket yeah. list. It's just like, all okay, right, thank well, you for the checklist. Now, yeah. I'm good. now I know what I want to go see. Thank you. <laughs> it's like the whole thing with the PMRC putting the parental advisory sticker on, on CDs where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we need to be sure that kids don't listen to this and kids see that. And they're like, I'm going to fucking listen to this. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I need to know I, what this I, is. I can't tell you how many albums I bought because we did not have record stores or stuff like that here in Maine. We had department stores and usually like the big one at the time as something that I was a fan of was Skid Row, 
their second album had a song called Get the F*** Out. That, <laughs> and they also had an edited version that was supposed to be in, like, department stores. Uh-huh. And, like, the second I saw one on the shelf, that that was there by pure accident. Because there's, like, eight copies all with the edited version, and then, like, one. As soon as I... Just flipping through, I saw the parental advisory sticker, and I scooped that, like, right up. I'm like, this album could suck. I don't care, but I have it. None of my friends do. <laughs> or like, two live crew, you know. That album was yeah. terrible, but damn it if I didn't buy one. So and, that I could say I had the two live crew album. And damn it if it doesn't get stuck in your head. Yeah. On repeat. But yeah, thank, mm-hmm. thanks, Tipper Gore. You just made me seek out shit that I would have never looked for <laughs> because I didn't care. But, you know, if someone said, you know, some awful words on an album, I was now buying it Man, just to, I, to spite you. I have uh, said the story on the <laughs> podcast before. I think it's been a while since I've mentioned it. But when I was a kid, you know, like you'd go to the video store and uh, like Eric was just talking about, you only had those covers to go based off of. Mm-hmm. Unless it was something like very specific that you were looking for because you had seen the preview, blah, 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 blah. Whenever we would go to the video store, especially if we went to like the the small little mom and pop video store, not like the big blockbuster or Hollywood video, my mom, God bless her, <clears throat> she would always like point out the videos of like, don't you ever watch this? Like, this, do, uh, yeah. do, Nathan, do you see this? Like this, this is pure evil. Do not watch this movie. Just okay. She walks away. Hey, big brother, can you get that movie for me? No. <laughs> Here we go. Like th- all that she did was point out, this is what you're going to watch when you get older or as soon as I turn my back. So, uh, yeah, yeah. People being told not to do it's, things, love to do things. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting too, to think about that and then to turn it back around to like this, this event about made for TV movies, because so many, like I kind of missed out on this craze because I was born in 91. So I was like right there kind of at the tail end of it. I feel mm. like, but like a lot of those movies from the eighties, from my understanding, like what's the one that was about like the nuclear bomb thing? Uh, the day after the day after. Yeah. I think there might've been another one too, but like I've heard people talk about that and it's like, this is a made for TV movie that traumatized children. So threads, across threads the was world. the British version of it. Oh, okay. Th- yeah, that's yeah. right. So I like, I hear people talk about how they watched that movie when they were really young and mm-hmm. they were just like absolutely traumatized by it and thought they were going to be annihilated in a nuclear blast. But like, because it was on TV, there was a permissiveness. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this is okay because it's on TV. This is important. We're going to watch this as a family. Like, fucking it <laughs> even was a miniseries that was like a family event on ABC, yep. wasn't it? Right? Like, yeah. like, that is wild to me that those things happened at some point. Like, when oh, yeah. I was... Uh, I, I remember the day after came out when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I believe. Because we had to talk about it in school the next day because one of the little girls in class was just crying for no reason. Wow. And the teacher was like, you know, well, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm afraid of nuclear war. And the teacher, God bless her, was like, why? (laughs) You know, why are you afraid of nuclear war today? We're we're discussing Columbus or something. Well, the teacher could have just been like, could have been like, well, you're in the safest place ever. All you have to do is duck and cover under your desk and you'll be fine. Well, the teacher actually told her that story about how when the teacher was in school, that's what they were instructed oh, really? to do. She should and have like, just been like, we're talking about like, Columbus. We, we, you should be scared of genocide instead. But like one of the other kids in class who was always trying to consistently get out of doing anything was like, can we have one of those drills? can we spend like five minutes like ducking and covering under because we've never gotten to do that and that will obviously take 
10 minutes out of the class time. <laughs> That's so funny. But it was weird. It was just one of those moments that I have such a vivid memory of because this little girl was just crying for because of having watched it the night before. Mm-hmm. And it was like an hour-long disruption of class because the teacher had to help her through it. Well, that should uh, dovetail nicely into the mental health and horror panel then. Yeah. That's what I'm really looking get, forward to. Get traumatized to. and then talk about that trauma. Yeah. No, the the panels for these are for this festival are great. It's I'm I'm glad it's online so that I can catch them all because otherwise it would be there'd be some Sophie's choices happening if these were all at the same sure. time. Yeah. Now I do know that uh last year some of the panels some of the panels panels they did post on YouTube like very shortly after. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that some of those were still possible to catch even if you didn't catch them live. It's not the same. Like there, there's mm-hmm. something about watching a live event that even if you are just watching it through a screen, it it feels different than just watching it later. Um but if they do that again, then even some of those panels, hopefully, you'll still be able to catch throughout the week uh, rather than only at that time. Yeah. I hope. Uh, any, any other pieces that you were excited about with Chat Film Fest before we start no, diving into the-, the numerous movies? They've got such a wide selection of movies this year. It's it's really exciting. To yeah. See. And plus, there's going to be like three secret screenings, which you've got me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be a film I don't care about, but my, if you're telling me it's a secret, I'm all on board. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> yep. And uh, either Chris or Chat Film Fest. I'm not sure if it was uh, him specifically on his Twitter or if he was the one manning the Chat Film Fest Twitter. But they have been dropping some hints about what those secret screenings are, and I still have no idea. Uh, but they they know how to tease those secrets and. I can't wait one more week, not even a week, six days from this recording. I will be uh, letting my eyes bleed from how much movies I'm watching and, and, and I can't wait. It's going to be fun. But uh, yeah, speaking of spending too much of our life staring into a screen tonight, we are talking about a movie about wasting one's life staring in front of a screen. Basically. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> So um, tonight we are covering Who's With Me, which is a micro-budget indie film by director um, Austin Allen James. Alan Austin James. You know what? I should probably look up his name because Austin I, Alan James. I, I, I had it in my mind and I was like, I don't need to look it up. I remember his name. And as soon as I started to say it, I was like, that feels wrong. Austin Allen James is the writer and director, uh, again, of a micro-budget indie film called Who's With Me. And uh, we're covering this for two main reasons. For one, Austin reached out and said, hey, you want to cover my movie? I said, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, But also because when I watched the movie, there were a lot of themes that I was like, you know what? This movie feels, feels painfully relevant um and we're going to talk about this in in just a little bit when we start talking about some of these things it was made before it was so painfully relevant uh and we will get to that in in just a minute so the the basic plot of who's with me is one second let me pull this up marcus awakens to find his apartment under quarantine and completely isolated from the outside world he tries to navigate the way through the indefinite wait staving off hunger boredom and paranoia 
The entire movie takes place in Marcus's apartment. Uh, Marcus played by Ryan Cheryl. And he is basically the only person that you ever see on screen. He has a neighbor that he talks through through the walls. So you do get some dialogue from another character. And there is a flashback scene um, with one other person. But essentially, the entire movie, it, it is a single person on screen. It feels very much like watching uh, a, a stage production, um, not only because of the limited set, but also because, you know, just one person carrying the entire movie. For me, at least, it did have a lot of that, uh, like, one-man show kind of feel. And we're, we're going to... Just divided into five acts. Just too. divided into five acts, yes. the Five very specific acts, and we'll talk about some of these things. Um, the... Yeah, so... We're going to do the same thing that we do with all of our reviews, where we start out with just some general comments, and then we're going to dive into our uh, analysis, and then we have a fun bit planned for the end. Um, but before diving into this, I do want to say that this movie is not going to be for everyone. It is one person in an apartment talking to someone through a wall. If that does not sound exciting to you, you're probably not going to love this movie. And I, I, I want to make sure to mention that on the front end, because I do have a lot of really good things to say. And there is a lot that we can discuss in terms of these themes. Um, and, and I do feel like this movie is worth giving a shot. But again, if the thought of just watching one person on screen for 72 minutes does not sound fun, you're probably going to want to skip this. Um, all right. So for the prior information for this film, it's pretty much the same for all three of us. None of us had heard about it until Austin contacted and said, will you guys review it? And I said, sure. And then I sent it out to uh, Eric and Dan. So that's the prior information for all of us. Typically we go through and talk about, um, you know, how much we knew about the movie and how that shaped our expectations. But that, that's kind of it. Like it is the same for all three of us with this movie. However, I do want us to talk about the context in which we viewed it because each of us had recently watched different movies that I, I do think uh, shaped the way that we watched this one and just the time in which we watched it, which again, we're, you know, 18 months into a pandemic. We're well over a year of all of us just feeling so stuck inside, even if we're able to go outside, even if we have to go to work, even like, even if we do have to interact with the outside world, it's not the same as it used to be a couple of years ago. And so like even going to the store, I used to love going grocery shopping just cause, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. I'll run to the grocery store. Why not take 30 minutes, go pick up some fruit and some Coke. Yeah, sure. It's, it, it, it's a, I know. Right. <laughs> it's a nice little just going out uh, or there like there would be times if I was running to the store, you know, I'd say to my kids like, hey, you want to come with me? And like, yeah, just just to get him out of the house for a little bit. And I've not taken my son to the store in a year and a half because it's like I, it's not worth it to me to potentially put him at risk, even though we are mm -hmm. uh, in a, a place that does have lower numbers than uh, like major cities. It's, there's still plenty of people around here that have it and it still get passed around. And my kid's too young to get a vaccine. And it's like, I've, I've not even been able to just run a quick errand with my son in a year and a half. So even though we are able to like experience the world, it, it's different. So 
we all watch this movie with, with some of that of we've been living this for the last year and a half. But some yeah. of my context uh, for, for watching this movie, um, I work at a job that I have a relatively small office and no window. And not everyone at work has been vaccinated. And not everyone at work respects the whole stay distant from me. So especially lately, my door has been either closed or like just slightly ajar. So I feel like I've been working inside of a fucking coffin and it, it just destroys every part of motivation. It just kills any aspect of it just I, I'm, I'm at work and it's just soul sucking because I can't see the outside world. And and so like I watched this right after work. And so it's like I had just been feeling trapped and isolated and just like uh, I, I just I, I need to do something else. And then I watched this movie and it's like, oh, hey, you are exactly how I feel today. So for me. The, the watching it um, with with that sort of context of work absolutely shaped the way that uh, that I watched this movie. Eric, what about you? What was some yes. of your context? Because you had recently watched one of the other movies that we were just about to cover. Um, and yeah. Wait, which movie? The Amusement Park. You just watched The Amusement Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just watched The Amusement Park right before it. Um, well, to back up a little bit, one of the things about this movie that I was that I was been thinking about and kind of wrestling with a little bit is I, I don't know if it hurts or helps the movie that it was released, like, when we're in the third act of a, of a uh, pandemic at this point. Like, obviously, it does give it some more it gives us more weight behind it and it makes it relevant to what's going on in the world. And, you know, for, in your case, Nathan, I think that that like really helped you to connect with it a lot more because you could kind of project your experiences onto the film. Yeah. And in I, my it mind, felt like, like I was watching me, what I feel. Yeah. And whenever you told me about doing this movie, my, like I was immediately pretty hesitant about it. Cause I was like, man, I've just lived through this <laughs> for the past year. Like, do I really want to spend some time watching a movie that is essentially about kind of what I've been going through. And so I was really hesitant to do that. Um, so that was kind of the mindset that I was in when I went into the film was not really sure if this is something that I want to watch right now, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, which is kind of weird. Cause like I've been watching other semi pandemic related movies. Like I watched the Bo Burnham's inside, but I think something like that is a little different cause it's, more just like look at i mean obviously it's doing it with humor so it kind of deflects away from it's like oh yeah i can look at the experience that i've had but i can also deflect it to a certain extent through the comic bits in the film so right. um i'm starting to ramble a little bit I, is that all the content oh and then i watched the amusement <laughs> park beforehand which that'll become a little bit more relevant i think once we get into some of the technical stuff because well, there were some interesting some of the parallels analysis of not wasting yeah. one's life. <clears throat> yeah. There were some interesting parallels there. Yeah. Uh, really quick uh, before we jump over to Dan um, to, to your point of like, ah, I've just been living this. Why do I want to watch it? It's kind of like if you have ever 
been through a rough breakup and your first instinct is I want to watch a sad movie or I want to listen to a breakup song Mm -hmm. because that is going to like help be cathartic to hear other people experiencing the same thing that I'm feeling right now then you would probably watch who's with me in the way that I watched it of yes Mm. this is how I feel yeah I totally just want to take a butcher knife to the couch right now uh, to destroy the couch, yeah. not to do other things. I should probably clarify that in case you haven't seen the movie. At one point, he's destroying his chair. There's not other things. Um, however, if you're the type of person who's like, man, I'm sad. I don't want to watch mm. other people be sad. That'll just make me fucking sad. Then, yeah, watching uh, Who's With Me in the Middle of a Pandemic, it, it is going to be uh, um, a different experience for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, let, let, let's jump to Dan. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of weird, too, because I'm the kind of person who... Okay, yeah, so go <laughs> no ahead. Worries. Sorry, Dan. Go for it. Um, for me, I mean, it's it's a weird thing to say, like, I'm happy I went through the pandem- pandemic the way I did, but I am. Um, my girlfriend and I purchased the house we're living in right now, and we moved in literally one month before lockdown. Man. So... I had, we had things to do. Right. It's like, you know, okay, the outside world is kind of shut off from us, but, you know, there's a million projects around this house. So I've got, I have things that I can plan, plan out to do, which made everything definitely way more bearable at the beginning. And we got our puppy two weeks before lockdown. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a blessing to that because he's still very, he's anxious around people because you know, the first ten, you know year of his puppy life, he had two of us to right. essentially be around. So strangers still freak him out. But, you know, I'm going to say this right ahead of time. It's way cooler having a puppy when you're in lockdown than it is a turtle. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have both. There's more give and take. You know, it would be cool this you know, you've still got your turtle. You got something to talk to, but they're not as responsive as, say, you know, a new puppy is. Mm. So I was very thankful, especially going into this movie that because this dude's life was my life five years ago. You know, I was no seven years ago. I was newly single. I was living in an apartment above a hair salon, you know, with one other neighbor. And because of where the apartment was, I had like one Mm. good window. You know, so if I and I was like, Christ, if I had gone through the pandemic still living there single, it would have been a completely different experience than, you know, new house with a girlfriend and a new puppy type of thing. This, this is what the pandemic would have been for me five years prior, um, especially with up until about like seven years ago, I didn't realize I had the mental health issues that I have. Like, because I was always very adept at dealing with shit. And then working a job where you're just engaging in so much secondary trauma, it starts to bring your own shit out in the open for you a little bit more. Yeah. And I would have been having title cards of my life all the damn time flashing up. Hello, cat. Also have a pandemic cat. So, (laughs) But she wasn't new. Um, So going into this, it's like, okay here's what could have been right, which is, you know, which, and knowing that that's not how it was made this an an easier thing to dive into. 
because it's like shit this isn't me this is, it wasn't so much as looking into a mirror so much as it was a carnival glass right this is the what could have been as opposed to what it is and it made it easier for me to jump into first thing in the morning when i watched it one other thing that uh i, I feel like is going to be a little bit more relevant when we start getting into the analysis but you know, Dan, as you were just talking about how like you went through the pandemic with a girlfriend, a new house, new pets, like you had plenty of stuff to keep you busy. Um, my youngest son is about to turn 10 months old. So like we we had a pandemic baby. We started telling people that uh, that my wife was pregnant around the time that like we started going into lockdown last year so like it, it wasn't even widely known that that we were having a kid mm-hmm. by the time that it was like hey everything's getting locked down um <clears throat> which you know on the one hand it was good for her at the time because it was like yay you're big pregnant and you're able to work from home this is great like you don't have to go anywhere it was, it was awesome even with having two kids, which absolutely take up like my entire day, and even with being an introvert, even with that, though, there are still times that I just get so just like, I am so, so sick of this. I it, just so much pent up frustration. And again, that was part of my context of like, there's some of that pent up frustration that watching this movie for me was a bit of a cathartic release. All right, so uh, a, a bit of a quick review. Um, my overall review, before we start like really diving into the analysis, who's with me does have flaws, but there are also a number of things that I think are done incredibly well. Uh, I definitely think that it shows a lot of potential for future films. Uh, like I, I love some of the cinematography, the lighting. It... It, there's some like neon lighting, which is so overdone at this point, but at least there's enough of an explanation that I was like, all right, I'm on board with it. I'm not annoyed by it. Plus, it just looked really cool. So there are some things that I think are done really, really well. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is I do think that the theme of this movie is conveyed in such a way that there are going to be a lot of things for us to talk about. And I think that that gives this movie so much potential. And that is, you know, like I, I want to see more work from the director. I want to see more work from the cinematographer and from the actors like there for me is enough of uh, potential in this film that I want to see what's next. I do think that people should give this movie a shot. Again, be aware, it is a single dude in an apartment, so if that sounds boring to you, you're going to find this movie boring. But if you like uh, one-man stage productions, if you like micro-budget indie films, if you like movies that are very heavily focused on the person and not really any sort of action, then I do think that this movie does... um, I I do think this movie delivers, and I do do think that people need to give it a shot mm. anything to add in the overall review or recommendation eric or dan yeah it's it's one of those films where i i almost hated attaching a letterbox rating to it i mean i i still did because i'm obsessive sure there's no way to not put a ranking on a film i, I just can't do it i have to because then my little pie chart goes to 99.8 percent <laughs> You know, rated. See, if you don't I read anything, do then you don't have to worry about that. Then it's a nice yeah. round zero. Oh, but then, but then I don't lose my percentage on my reviews either. So, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but it's one of those where it's like, I, I, I feel kind of bad with the rating I gave it on Letterboxd. I, I feel it definitely earned that rating. But again, yeah, the potential is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I look at other films that I've given like a two and a half rating to, it, it, it doesn't compare with it. It's, it's not mm-hmm. that good compared to that one. So I have to kind of put it into that lower rating category. But like you said, that doesn't mean it's not worth watching. Right. It's not yeah. worth giving a shot to. Yeah, and I think to um, to kind of put it into context, from what I've read, this is, this movie had like a fifteen hundred dollar budget. I mean, like that is Jeez, that is that as it? micro as micro gets. You know, like they basically. I mean, I'm sure the apartment they was just somebody paid rent. Yeah, yeah, paid rent for the apartment. I'm sure, that, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's clear that I'm pretty this sure is, that this dude's out in L.A. So yeah, like that was probably just <laughs> rent, and that was their budget. Which was one of the best special thanks in the credits I've ever seen for any movie. Thanked, <laughs> they literally thanked the neighbors that never called the cops. On. <laughs> it's so great. I'm like that. That right there gets you a good grade. Uh, you know that, that right there bumps you up an extra half star. Yeah, that that shows what they were what they were dealing with when making this movie. They yeah. don't have permits. You know, they don't have. They're not taping lines off anywhere so that people don't go across. You know, into the filming area. They're filming this in their apartment at night, most likely, type of thing. Yeah, that, yeah absolutely. Man, that's like, insane. I, think I didn't even realize it was that low of a budget. Like, I knew it was micro. I didn't realize that it was like yeah. literally a just rent's worth of budget. Yeah, and this is according to IMDb, so who knows how accurate it is. But, I mean, I think that, I mean, that seems fair. Because, like, it does feel like a movie that it's just, like, a couple of friends got together and just made a movie. Because that's what they wanted to do. Like, and, and I do like that about it. I, like... This is one of the only movies I think I've ever seen that is truly a hundred percent independent. Like even when you watch something like Clerks or whatever, it's like, yeah, that movie was, you know, Kevin Smith financed it himself, but he still sold it to, you know, yeah. Miramax or whatever. And uh, and then by the time it was filtered through them and come to us, it like had a soundtrack slapped on it and all this stuff. So like, I think this is one of the only movies I've probably ever seen that is absolutely just something that people made that is free from any kind yeah. of corporate independent. yeah you, you can say clerks is independent all you want but they still got soul asylum and alice in chains on that right soundtrack. yeah exactly you know, there was still some money being tossed about yeah this one um like austin when he messaged me like he, he emphasized the fact that this is completely <laughs> creative owned like they own every piece of it and so it is not part of a studio film it's not even part of like a a small indie uh co-op owned like Mm, it is i made this and and again we're going to talk about some of the flaws but i respect the hell out of the fact that he made it yeah and and there's no there's no commercial interest at all because he also he made it and then released it on youtube for free so it's like he's not even trying to make any money on this movie it's like hey i made this because i was compelled to make it like yeah but i mean it's if they did a kickstarter tomorrow where they were they wanted to release physical copies i would probably contribute yeah 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 I, i think that's super cool like it's the kind of thing that i i absolutely admire as someone who like i I feel the urge to do creative things. I just rarely ever have the inclination to do it um, because it's too hard other than like with this podcast, <laughs> like, like I do a podcast barely about do anything for this because, podcast. So, well, sure. I mean, I do some research, but like the only reason I do a podcast, I mean, first of all, Nathan, you do all the work. I just show yeah. up. 
Well, just think about how hard it is to schedule a time when all three of us can do this and then think about doing a film shoot. No, absolutely. Like this podcast, I love doing it and it doesn't require much effort on my part other than to just look up things that I enjoy looking up anyway that I would be doing on my own time Mm -hmm. regardless. And even then there's sometimes I'm like, do I really have to do a podcast right now? Like I want to do it, but I also like have so many other things going on that like it's just you know i the so uh, it, the, the i i might or might not have been taking a minor nap before uh we started the podcast when i was like hey guys running late sorry things ran long uh, <laughs> that might have been me just lying on the couch like do i really want to get up right now mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah right there with you also this movie has a turtle in it and turtles and rule so truth <laughs> actually i should let me rephrase it has a tortoise in it um because it is a land turtle right that's how that's the difference right i have a turtle like my turtle is in an aquatic <laughs> tank and this turtle in this movie is just like in a tank with no water in it other than what to what is to drink right anyway we don't need to get bogged down in those details no turtle's cool yes it's the name of the turtle is lady turtle so even if it is a tortoise it's still a turtle tortoise <laughs> <laughs> It's a she tortoise. It's tortoise. I nope. Can't make a joke out of that. There's no joke there. Uh, that that one that doesn't normally stop you. It so really does. If anything, that commits me more to the bit of I'm going to find a joke where there is none. Um, all right, so let's start getting into this. And from here on out, there are going to be spoilers um, because there have to be. Because again, the thing that I want to discuss the most is the theme. And the theme is, I think, if you go into it expecting this, it might not really spoil it for you, but it'll definitely change your perception. So from here on out, we are going to be talking about fine details throughout the movie, uh, both good and bad. So if you have not yet seen Who's With Me and our discussion so far has piqued your interest, just uh, do a quick search for it on YouTube. Um, All you have to do is search for Who's With Me and then pick the one that is not the flow rider song um <laughs> yes <and laughs> which by far had a bigger budget <laughs> and a lot more ass uh so yeah just search who's with me it should be the second video because flow rider is probably going to come up first um <laughs> I, sh- I didn't watch the flow rider video i wish i did like i should have paired these those two movies together i would have been I don't know why you thought this was low budget what are you talking about <laughs> i would have been so pissed and also just <clears throat> congratulated you for committing to the bit if you had just watched the song and talked should about the that. entire movie as if you were just talking that. about <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh i would have been so mad at you <clears throat> and also proud of you. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, if, if what we've said so far has piqued your interest, go check it on you on YouTube. If what we've said so far has not really piqued your interest and you sound kind of bored, stick with us. I do think that the themes redeem a lot of, um, a lot of the shortcomings with this movie. And hopefully, um, once we get through all of it, you'll say, you know what? Yeah, I will give this a shot. All right. So, let's start with the acting because that is like the entire movie is on that one dude's shoulders whose name I said earlier, but now because Ryan my IMDb, Cheryl. yes, thank you. My IMDb closed the entire movie is on Ryan Cheryl's <laughs> shoulders. Like if you do not connect with him, you're not going to connect with this movie. And 
Eric, I know that you and I have watched yeah. a lot of small budget, small cast, uh, like single location or at least minimal location mm-hmm. type of movies that only have like two or three actors. And they, there have been a lot that we've talked about where it's just like, man, it is really hard for three people to carry the weight of a movie. Yeah. This is one person carrying it. And while I don't think that he especially excelled, you know, like there weren't really any scenes that I'm like, oh my God, like this dude needs to be put in the next like indie uh, drama. There weren't really any moments like that for me, but I think that he did a fine job. I think that he did well enough to carry the movie and keep me invested from beginning to end and care enough to keep watching. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think he does a pretty good, pretty good job. Like he feels very sincere, um, and yeah, I mean that's. Like, there was no point in the movie where he did something that didn't feel genuine to some degree. You know, like it, there was yeah, no point we're, where we're I in felt the spoiler territory the where you can like say the specific yeah. things. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, he didn't overact, right? Which for lower budget stuff is very important to me yeah <laughs> yeah even though i said that this is like watching a one-man show like <clears throat> your college friend is like hey come out to the coffee house i'm putting on my production even though i kind of made that connection a little bit earlier it didn't actually feel like watching that because I've had a lot of drama friends uh, throughout high school and college and grad school and i've been to a lot of one-man shows and i have seen way too much overacting where like when something is dramatic it is dramatic and oh the loneliness Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my god no one fucking talks like that get over yourself there weren't any moments like that there was nothing to me at least that felt disingenuine there there were things that i think could have been highlighted to to really draw out some of that emotion but honestly i'd rather it be I wish he had gone a little bit more than, oh man, he should have gone way less for me at least. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the lighting, I loved the lighting in this movie, um, yeah. which, you know, like I, I've shot short films with friends before and I've certainly watched enough short films to see lighting is difficult, especially oh, like yeah. in a dark room and lighting is honestly one of the reasons why i never got into film production because it is so frustrating like i've always been like cinematography cinematography has always been an interest of mine but like when i actually was in college trying to make videos of my own i was like this is a bitch i mean especially because i'm like mostly doing most like the stuff on my own but yeah i mean it's uh is one of those things that i don't think people appreciate about filmmaking is lighting yeah, yeah like, you can see why lars von trier like stuck to the dogma rules for so <laughs> yeah. because it's like like it i'm unhappy with the lighting on this video <laughs> that we're doing right now because i'm both backlit and side lit and it just doesn't look right to me well and I'm you, like, you are the I'm best not- lit of all three of us like i have a light <laughs> to try to light myself better but yeah. it just makes me look worse like yeah even yeah. trying to just do a video call it's like this lighting is terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were able, I think to pull off very successful lighting. Uh, yeah. Especially where they didn't have a film set where right. they could remove the damn roof to yeah. just get a, a higher light or pull a wall away so that they could do this. It's like, mm-hmm. you, it's not a particularly large apartment no, either. 
Yeah. Nope. I mean, that was, <laughs> it, it was tough for me to get a sense of exactly what, where, how the apartment was laid out just because it wasn't Yeah, there. You didn't see a lot of the rooms going from one room to the next. Mm-hmm. So it was tough for me to figure out what the actual layout of the apartment was, but yeah, the, it, the cinematography in this, I, th- I I actually looked up the guy, um, and of course now I've immediately forgotten his name, uh, Stephen Nagayan. Again, Nagayan. Um, he's actually done quite a few shorts, so this it, it seems like this is a guy who definitely knew what he was doing. Yeah, because um, it's it's not a boring film to look at for such a confined space in a small one bedroom apartment that they Mm -hmm. made the most out of this with keeping everything looking interesting so that even, you know, you don't see two of the same shot in the same room twice in a row type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was was very, the camera didn't move much, but Mm -hmm. I was very impressed with it. Not feeling like a, we stuck the camera in the middle of the room and just shot everything from there. Like they found a lot of works. (laughs) which as much as i love clerks there's a lot of we set the camera down and we had people talk at it this one there is a much better understanding of the cinematic language just in terms of give the eyes a break change it up so that you're not constantly looking at the same thing add in some Mm -hmm. motion to give a little bit more excitement to what you are actually looking at uh Mm -hmm. and and with the lighting super quick um when all of the power goes out and he loses all the lighting and he has to turn on all of his battery powered neon lights. I, I'm honestly a little tired of the neon lighting in movies, except for the fact that also every time I see it, it's still a super nostalgic and I, I still love You're it. Like, oh, yeah. it looks, looks cool. <laughs> it's like when, I'm annoyed with it until I actually see it. Start sucking at the neon lighting. I will, you know, yeah, neon lighting, but his movies just look so damn cool, and I love it. Yeah. Exactly, I I get annoyed with it until I see it, and I'm like, yeah, I love it. Same with like and the synth soundtrack. I get so sick. I'm just like, oh, another synth movie. And like, goddamn you, Nicholas Winding Refn. Exactly. <laughs> but again, though, it, it makes sense for a young man who, despite having a girlfriend that lives next door, they still live on their own because they need they have the space. They need the space. Guys living on their own do stupid shit when it comes to their living arrangements, <laughs> yeah. such as putting up a beer, you know, light or 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 like lava lamps yeah. and and yeah, like he lava said, lamps or that that silver surfer poster that was black light. Oh, man, my, I had to have a black light near it. They were intentional with the reasoning for the neon lighting. It wasn't just we're going to make this neon because neon looks cool. Obviously, that's what they were doing, but it's like, no, the power went out. Oh, I have all of these battery-powered neon lights from a Halloween party that I was able to turn on. Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Like, those things are super yep. cheap, super popular. Totally makes sense. It breaks, and, up the, breaks up the look of the yeah, film. I think it's, it's when, the, well. it when the power goes cool. out here, I all of a sudden, to quote, you know, inside, I all of a sudden look like a white woman's Instagram. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> we have all of these candles and battery-powered tea lights laying around the house. Oh, so, good. so it's like, you know, all of a sudden, that's what my, my house would look ridiculous from that standpoint because it would look like <laughs> You know that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but you've got to make do with what you have. <laughs> exactly. And this looked cool. Like, a, yeah. a, aside from just the fact that they gave a reason, which I appreciate, like, I do think that it looked really, mm. really good. Like, you, you can even see some of that in the trailers uh, mm. or the trailer. 
but yeah, like when everything goes neon for for whatever reason, he has just a ton of Dayglow books or movies. He has something on his shelf that's uh, kind of like vinyl. I think they're supposed to be vinyl or, records or vinyls. I don't know why mm-hmm. everything has like a Dayglow spine, but I think it doesn't matter because it looks that cool. was art direction, right? Yeah, there. that was a, yeah. yeah. Was I thought really that was a piece. DVD shelf that they just pulled out. Like they just went to Staples or something and bought a bunch of neon paper <laughs> to put in the inserts. So it that's where the budget went. Screen. Yeah, and, and again, it works. It looks yeah. really, really good. So I yeah. love the lighting. Really, really mm-hmm. dug the cinematography. Uh, sorry, Eric, I interrupted you a little bit ago to talk about oh, that no. neon. But since we were still in the lighting, I wanted to mention that. So what were you about to say? Or did I, oh, I was, derail you? Um, going to segue into my favorite technical aspect of the film, which I know you have one major point of contention here with this that I don't, Nathan. But I love the sound design of this movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I think it's really effective. I think the mixing is a little off at times. Like there are sometimes where things are a little bit louder than you would expect them to be uh-huh. in a way that there's one thing in like whenever he starts. There's a part where um, Marcus, the main character, starts like trying to hammer through the wall. And like it all, like it gets really loud for a second. Um, because he's a boxer do, and he has the huddle, a lot of heft behind that punch. Sure, it's yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so some, sometimes it kind of goes up and down with the levels and stuff. But I think that the actual implement implementation of the sound effects is really effective. Um, and you know, sound design is one of those things that, like lighting, I think people don't really give enough respect to um, to create this kind of world and make sure that it feels natural. Um, and, and with a movie like this that takes place in a confined space, I think that's extremely important, especially since like a big part of the film is it's like about trying to talk through a wall. And now, right. Nathan, I'm going to go so, ahead and yeah. spoil your issue, which is you think that um, Aleth, who is the neighbor, is too clear. But that's one of the things I it, like. Man, that bug because me. So here, here's the thing. And um, actually, Dan and I were talking before we started recording about some, not just of the sound design, but some of the music at the very, very beginning. And when we start diving into the theme, I'm going to try to remember to bring that back up. It's got a lot of original music. um, Say what? What, it, just has, it has a lot of original music, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like the music, it definitely works. It definitely puts you uh, into the movie. But there's a very specific tone that's included in the opening music that uh, I, I think is very intentional with what I think is happening in the movie. And we'll get to that when, when we get to that. Um, and we'll make a little bit more sense in just a minute. But here is my issue with the sound, with talking to the neighbor. And and again, slight caveat, when we get to the theme, I'm probably going to revisit this in terms of as much as it bugged me, why it makes sense, I guess. It bugged the crap out of me how clearly they could hear each other through the walls. I've lived in apartments that had like paper thin walls, but like you hear like just a little bit. You do not hear super clear like you do not hear someone like you're talking on the phone to them. And it, it it was just way too clear. You do not hear someone that easily through the wall, even if you were right next to each other. Like it, yeah. even my neighbors now, you know, like I can go up against the wall and I can hear, yeah, you know, run to the store. I cannot hear. Hey, how are you doing today? What is going on? Like, there's no, 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 no. It's so strange to me no. that 
so hung up on it though because like in my mind i'm like but I it was the entirety of the it thing because i can understand it yeah. but like that's it i would have been more okay with it if it had been location specific right like, uh-huh. if you walk, there were times when like he's not in the same spot he was before when talking to her and is just as clear yeah that's true if it had been like okay there's this one spot where that wall where they forgot to put insulation between those 18 <laughs> inches of you know two by fours and that's where he can hear her the best cool but if he goes to the kitchen they have to yell a little bit more or they can't yeah i would have been a little bit more okay with it if it had been situational to where they were in the room yeah it was a little too clear throughout and if it also had only been like minimal then i probably wouldn't have noticed enough to care or i wouldn't have cared enough to notice but it's the fact that like the entire movie you have marcus on screen and Aleth on the other side of the wall and their entire conversation is like, I, I hear you too clearly The I am. Nope. Nope. Not cool with it. I, I can hear it yeah. way too clear. I mean, I feel but, like if she, like if they had, um, <clears throat> like if they had Emma, Julia Jacobs, who plays Aleth, like maybe if she was slightly farther away from the microphone <laughs> and you get a little bit more feedback or something, I don't know, like the I mean, microphone, done something like that. Well, they should have put the microphone on the other side of an actual wall and had her talk okay. through a wall. But, but then you can't front, you also, can't I mean, understand sure her exactly because you cannot understand someone by, that close to the wall. But then mm. that throws the entire conceit of the film out. So like, uh, I mean, so, like I get it. And also it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that's super easy for me to forgive just based on, yeah, limited budget. They probably don't have like super high tech equipment, that kind of thing. So that doesn't bother me because otherwise, I mean, the other, the alternative is I can't hear a damn thing. And that would be annoying to me. That, way but, more annoying than yeah. <laughs> that was the other piece of it, though, is from then a technical it's a standpoint. Nolan film yeah, then it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry we couldn't get Christopher Nolan's sound guy to come in here and rough, rough that shit up so you can't understand anything. That was the other side of it is as much as it annoyed me. And, and admittedly, sometimes I get too hung up on logical things. Like, let's just go back a few episodes to our Godzilla versus Kong episode where that's a great movie. I really do love that movie. I have so many problems with it because so many things are just logically dumb and not the fun kind of logic, but like the no, no, you cannot break your own internal logic in a movie. No, this is dumb. You, you, they went through a wormhole to get to the center of the earth. How did Kong just climb back up through it? No, dumb. No. Well, what's smart about that movie is it doesn't have any actual internal logic, so it doesn't matter. Because Exactly. <laughs> so, like, logical things, I admittedly do get a little too hung up on sometimes. And so this probably bugged me way more than it bugged other people. But I also acknowledge the fact that, yeah, because of the fact that the entire movie is these two people talking through the wall. Like, if you couldn't hear Aleth, this movie would be insufferable. Like if the entire mm-hmm. movie centers around conversations and you can't hear half of it, that that would be atrocious. So even though it bugged me, even though it annoyed me, I understand why. And it makes sense. And it is the better thing to do. And Eric, like you said, if you couldn't have heard her, that would have annoyed you. Like, yeah, I, I get it. But also, I, I don't know. It, it bugged me more than it should have. But yeah, I, I wish that there had been some better way to manage that or or like if they had cut a small hole in the wall or well the movie establishes you can't do that i does it it doesn't yeah he literally tries to cut a hole in the wall and can't do it no he tries to punch through the wall and nothing happens 
he, he, he starts to, to punch a hole into the wall. No, he's trying to get out the, his window that has like some sort of sheen on it. Like, he's not trying to get through her apartment. Sure. Oh, I guess that's true. He does punch a hole in the wall. Yeah, like, literally punch a he, hole in the wall. That would have been my first step after like a week. Yeah. Knowing oh, the yeah. Wall's that thin. I'm like, I'm just cutting a hole so we can have a conversation face to face. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. There, there are ways that it could have been handled a little bit better or or even just like the hey let's go with the old school like put a can up to the wall so we can hear each other like if there had been something like that to where the first time they tried talking actually, all you heard was like hold, hold on a second uh hold, hold on i used to do this with my brother as a kid all the time run to the kitchen grab a can stick his ear up yeah. to the wall then he can hear her perfectly well that i would have been fine with even if it still wouldn't have been logical even <clears> if it still would have been like nope you can still hear her too clearly I would have been much more okay with that. There's a part of the movie where I thought they were going to do something sort of like that, where um, whenever um, Marcus is smoking weed, mm-hmm. he goes up through the vent to like blow it into the other room, so so Aleth can can get some of it. So dumb. And I, which that doesn't work. Sorry, oh, done that. It doesn't quite work. <laughs> that's true, but it doesn't work. <laughs> also, the air conditioning would just pump it right back out. And... Sure, sure. I, I do think though, like in my mind. I'm always the kind of person who operates more on emotional logic than than actual logic when it comes to films. Sure. Especially if the movie is itself like establishing that we're not in a totally realistic situation. I don't necessarily care about realism as much as a lot of other people do, but there was a part where I thought he was going to like take the vent off and maybe like try to like make an exchange Shimmy. to the vents or something <laughs> like <laughs> But um so that would have been funny did though. Love that- I did love that that vent was absolutely filthy, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because it's an actual there were, there apartment. They didn't take the time to clean it. In the movie that sold me, <laughs> I was looking because it was like, okay, single men, we are disgusting. Truth. Yep. I, I never cleaned an air vent in my life in an apartment. Yeah. So when I was younger, never. So yeah, my air vent would have been filthy. I loved that when he went to wash his hands. Hands. It was with dish soap. Yep. Yeah. Because when you run out of hand soap and you've got dish soap there, guess what? I'm not going to the store to buy hand soap. I'm just going to keep yeah. using that until the next time I go to the store. So I when mean, he did it, that, I was if like, it's enough to clean your dishes, it's enough to clean your hands. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's perfect. And the fact that he reheated some old coffee. Oh, yeah. That's a good little bit at the beginning. Because, yeah, exactly. I didn't, you know, I rarely ever cleaned the coffee pot the night before and emptied it and made it ready for the next morning. So, yeah, there were times when I woke up and like, that's only 12 hours old. I'm just going to reheat that. It's going to be fine. <laughs> there are I don't good see anything little details. On it yet. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. There are good little details in the production design. My favorite bit is like whenever he opens his, his opens his cabinets, they're full of plastic cups. Like they're <laughs> yeah. like that is 100% like a bachelor thing. Like, oh, I got a large like you you justify getting a large combo at McDonald's because you get a plastic cup that you can then reuse yep. mm-hmm. in yep. your home. I was like, the same way when I was single because I am incredibly clumsy when I wash dishes. Oh yeah, and I break glass. Oh man, my wife gets time. so mad at me at how how many Pyrex bowls I've broken because oh. I'll bring them to work and I don't use a lunchbox. I just yeah. put them in a Target bag and then I my- there's so many times where I'll drop I've dropped them or I open the door to the passenger side and then it falls out <laughs> because I had it sitting on the side. <laughs> My, my girlfriend has like some of her grandmother's dishes and glassware that I'm like, no, we're putting that in a cabinet that I can't get into. Yes. <laughs> because the, and of course, just during the move, we are moving some canisters and I shattered one. I'm like, yeah. so it's like, yeah, 
I'm everything will be plastic and unsentimental because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to break it within the year. I, so yes, I grew up with plastic. I grew <laughs> up with uh, Cool Whip containers are absolutely not only a viable storage solution, yep. but also they are a bowl. Yep. And yes. they're a plate on days when your plates are dirty. The <laughs> the, the lid at least. Yeah, uh, like the, the uh, or like the crunch, the country. We always use the country crock like butter containers. Yeah, the is country crock spread like and the or like the. Yeah. I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- those like cardboard oatmeal or yeah, the cardboard oatmeal containers. My grandma used to like always, always as soon as those were empty, those were her peanut butter cookie storage containers. <laughs> to the point where like uh, we lived on the same property, uh, so I was you know always walking down to her house. But to the point where whenever I would walk into her house, if I saw a oatmeal container, I was like, oh, sweet cookies. And like I would open them up. And if I saw oatmeal, I was like, hey, where are the cookies? Yeah. Funny story about my this. grandmother was the same way with butter cookies and sewing pins. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was always that, you know, which one is it? You don't know until you open it. <laughs> Here's my favorite story about the oatmeal containers and the peanut butter cookies. When my oldest brother went off to college, my grandma sent him a care package and uh you know he whatever he appreciated some of it and whatever we weren't there when uh when he opened it but a few months later it was you know one of the holidays or maybe summer i don't remember when it was doesn't matter irrelevant to the story a few months later we went to go visit my brother and we walk in and the first thing my dad does when he sees the oatmeal container he opens it up and starts to eat a peanut butter cookie and my brother was like what what Th- those were cookies and we're like, yeah, dude, grandma sent you an oatmeal container. She sent you cookies. I thought she sent me oatmeal. There were days when I was like starving. If I had known there were peanut butter cookies, I would have eaten all of them. We're like, dude, how long there were days have you when I was kno- starving, so I would have eaten peanut butter cookies. <laughs> like, how long have you known your all grandma? Of course, those are peanut butter cookies. That's Anywho, uh, yeah, there, there's lots of fun little things like that, which. I think part of the reason that they feel so real is probably because they are real. Like I don't yeah. necessarily know how much of the set dressing was set dressing and how much of it was. Oh shit. We're recording today. Uh, I've not cleaned up. That's cool. We'll just go with it. All right. Um, hold on while he goes and do, hides things. Yeah. I do kind of wish that the movie was dirtier though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's the little things like that, but I think, my like one of the bigger issues I have with the film is, you know, it's about being in isolation. And right. over the course of the film, Marcus is like kind of slowly losing his his grip on reality and he's going kind of stir crazy. But the, it's hard to get a sense of how much time has gone by because there's no noticeable like other than other than like the things that he's destroyed out of frustration. Like by the end of it, the apartment is pretty messy because there are things that are broken, but there's not like. Um, well, this is, I hate to use this as an example because I'm lifting this from the, uh, there's a film threat review of this film that I read. Um, but one of the things I mentioned is like, oh, the water gets cut out, but you don't like Marcus still looks clean. Like it still looks like he's been bathing or, you know, there's no like laundry that has piled up well, because he couldn't do laundry. his hair and his beard haven't gotten longer. And, yeah, and you never really see him like like trying to like, Oh, I need to maintain a sense of normalcy. So I'm going to go shave or whatever, you know, like I know when I was in quarantine, shaving is the first thing I 
stopped doing. Yep. <laughs> um, Anywhere on my body. So yes. that that's one of the things that does. Thank you that, for that. That's one of the things that absolutely bugged me uh, is there's nothing that shows the passage of time and it deliberately doesn't show you the passage of time. Like it, like there are title cards that say how much time has passed unknown. And I don't, I I get the idea of that, that it's like you're out of time in the film, but like it, it also feels like because you don't get that sense of passage, it feels like very little time has passed, which I think is kind of, so the, 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 yes, that is one of the things. There are two main things that I want to mention before we start diving into the analysis because I feel like both of these are relevant to yeah, but it kind of makes sense if this is what is going on. Uh, so there were two big things that bugged me, but they only really bug me if I'm wrong about something and I don't think that I'm wrong, but even if I'm right, they still kind of bug me. So the first one is what you mentioned of there's nothing that shows the passage of time except for kind of saying time past unknown or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like when, when the water comes back on and he's like frantically running to get it or, you know, yeah. like when he and Aylith are talking about how like they just can't take it anymore or like when he starts yelling at his TV and he's just like, just tell me what's going on. You get some of the frustration, but honestly, this entire movie feels like it takes place over a weekend. And even the montage where he's destroying everything, even though it looks really cool, and even though that montage is absolutely a, yep, this is how I feel. Like, you know, uh, the the part where he's just staring in the mirror, just making those funny faces. It's like, yeah. I might well, one of my favorite parts I, of the movie. I might or like, might not do that in the work bathroom sometimes just yeah. to have some sense of just like, am I going crazy? Mm, no, nah, I think I'm still okay. It also uh, feels like just a moment of genuine, like when you're really by yourself, like, the, right? like everybody does stupid shit when they're by themselves and they don't think anybody is looking like, you know, I mean, <laughs> that felt pretty. I like that. I like that little. Yeah. There. So like there, there are really fun little scenes. Uh, but some of the like some of the montages where it's like showing him just kind of losing it and destroying things um, as, as cool as they looked and as much as I related to them I related to them because of being in quarantine for a year and a half yeah. rather than feeling like he has been in quarantine for a year and a half I feel like this movie takes place over a weekend and I think that it, it suffers with- for that. Yeah, it comes a little too soon too. Like the him destroying everything is like the second part of the film, right? Which will I'm not sure we're we're gonna we're gonna get into some things in just a second because I Uh I'm going to finish these and then say but if I'm right, here's why why it doesn't really matter. The other thing that bugs me and and this one I feel like is kind of a big one. um, I feel like there are a lot of things that are set up that aren't fully actualized. Like you, you get some great setup for some amazing character development and then it stops, you know, like, um, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more in the analysis in, in just a second, because Dan, uh, you had a, a great example about his, uh, persistence as a person and how that could have been more fully developed. Um, but I, I feel like those two things, it made it a little bit harder to connect with this movie watching it just full purely as I am watching this movie and not putting myself into it, not knowing how much time has passed and not feeling like much time has passed at all and not really 
developing these characters as much, it was harder to connect to the movie. Now, putting myself into the movie, I was able to fill in a lot of those gaps. Mm-hmm. And and again, I do think that that does speak well of the movie, that it did present enough for me to be invested enough to fill in those gaps to care enough. But also, I, I wish that those gaps had been filled in by the movie rather than by my own uh, perception and, and analysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, here is why I don't... Two, two things. One, because uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, this was made before the pandemic. This was made, I think he said, back in like March of 2019. Uh, so even though it absolutely feels like a pandemic movie, it's not a pandemic movie. This is not about COVID. This yeah. was purely based off of something else that I'm going to get to in a second uh, that I think uh, I, I've not confirmed this. And here's one of the reasons that I knew when thinking back on it, why I knew that this was not made during the pandemic. The fact that he actually listened to the TV telling him to stay inside <laughs> rather than saying, nah, that media can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go get my haircut. Fuck y'all. I'm going outside. The fact that oh he God. even listened at all lets me know that this was not a representation of COVID. That would have been a great movie, though. Like, he's like, fuck that. I'm going outside. And he walks outside and just drops dead. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I do think it's important to mention that it was pre-COVID, not only to say that, like, I I feel like that does actually add more weight than if this had been a COVID movie, mm-hmm. but also to mention, uh, because I was uh, talking with Austin about this, he was like, yeah, this in no way <clears throat> was trying to come across as a, I'm going to ignore all of the precautions that are being told for us to follow. That was not the intention. I was like, don't mm-hmm. worry. I didn't get that. I got it more as just like living in the moment. But uh, yeah, this this is not meant to be a ignore what the TV is telling you to stay safe type of message. It is just unfortunate that what they made before the pandemic <laughs> then ended up being something that people didn't do during the pandemic, leading to, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of people dying because people wanted a haircut. Okay. So, uh, Dan, you looked like you were about to say something. Were, were you just adjusting in your seat a second ago? No, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was, though. Because, um, and that was one of the things that kind of was hard for me to figure out with the way his apartment was laid out. Because th- this is my own, in- when I think of apartment buildings, probably because the last one I lived in prior to the house, it was, there was a hallway that everybody shared right that's what i was thinking so too. that was what my first like it was like a high rise type of thing i thought that was one of my thing. first thoughts was okay they, the the tv's telling them not to go outside but why aren't they going out in their hallway yeah why didn't yeah. he just walk over to Aylith's door so i think i needed a moment at the beginning of the film to show him trying to go out his front door to show me that no that front door leads to the outside right yeah, the only thing he did was he turned his knob which, yeah. And that was what, what was confusing because it sounded like the way that they present it was like, yes, you can't go outside. Everything's locked. I'm sure that's you, how he was passing a lot of his time. But at one point, he did try to also open the door. <laughs> Which, oh my God, that's so, I, I think I told you this, Nathan, but there was one part where when Aleth asks um, Marcus, like, how he blows off steam and then it cuts to black before it shows him boxing, there was a part I was like, he's going to be fucking masturbating, isn't he? Like, he's going <laughs> to. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, there's, that was what was kind of confusing to me, too, because he goes over and he turns the knob of the door. 
but he doesn't go outside. And I feel like the movie says something specifically like, okay, your door is not locked, but mm. everything is still like shut down. So Which, it sounded to me again, like the building was shut down. Right. Yeah. But he could still yeah. go out. Yeah. That gave me that like, is this like dark city? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's why I, I didn't need, understand why I he didn't leave clear, sooner. I needed a clear reason as to what is stopping him from going outside yeah. other than just being a really good citizen. Because <laughs> we now know that half the population is not going to be a good citizen and people are just going to go outside no matter what. So I know there was a thing where there was like the weird thing on his window that wasn't allowing him to look out the window. Right. Like, why wasn't yeah. that on the door? Yeah. Which yeah, is, I, yeah I I needed to see, leave. Yeah, I needed to see what was stopping him from just going outside because then I would truly understand why he's getting more frustrated because... Yeah. And then what allowed him to just go outside at the end of the film. Well, you know, I have theories. Yeah, yeah there's definitely the- theories, but again, if I'm spending two minutes inside my head, right. I'm not paying attention to what's actually happening on the screen. I'm going like, okay, why isn't he just walking over to his neighbor's house? Right. Yeah. Also, apartment. Why isn't taking extra time I, to justify? I don't know about y'all, but my house is not cannon. airtight. Like, if, oh god, no. If there was some Mine sort is. of like global, not just like a not like COVID, but if there was some sort of like global, there is a toxin in the air, not just mm-hmm. what people are breathing out, but like it is literally everywhere. That absolutely would get inside of my house because like oh, there's yeah. cracks and seams and so Oh hell yeah. It's gonna be like that time after nine eleven where everyone was going and buying shit to, you know, plastic up all their windows from the inside. Yeah. You know, my my <laughs> house is something like hundred and fifteen years old. There's air everywhere that's yeah. gonna get into here. Yeah. So the whole like there's a toxin in the air, don't go outside. Again, that was a little bit harder to get into. I, I know that it doesn't matter because that's just supposed to be like a plot device to keep him inside. But mm-hmm. when that is the entire plot device, devo- when it's the entire plot voice. device, <clears throat> entire plot <clears throat> device, keeping someone inside, for me at least, I-, I need it to be a little bit more believable. Maybe outside was like one of those circus tents they put up whenever they're like, uh, yeah. whenever an exterminator's coming and putting the. If, <laughs> if he had just opened the door and I'd seen that, I would have been like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, or, or if they're that was probably the intention. They just didn't have the they didn't have the something. the money to to, no, that's to when you just like hire the exterminators. You, you, you attack a striped sheet outside of your door. <laughs> yeah, so that when you open the door, you see the striped sheet. I would have been like, okay, something. There is at least a barrier. Yeah, like yeah. he he, could that have he is now through, not willing to go past. He could have looked through the uh, little uh, port key thing, the uh, whatever mm-hmm. the spy. What what are those things called when you look through the door to see the who's on the other side? What are those called? That sounds right, I think. Whatever. Course, when, you, I don't know. when you look through the thing in the door to eyeball see through hole. the door. <laughs> the eyeball. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, like they could have had a shot of that and just like had something there or something. Uh, all right. So here is why for me, a lot of these complaints, they, they still matter. But why I feel like they get a pass almost within the context of discussing the theme. I think that he is dead or dying or in a coma or in purgatory the entire time. And while we're not necessarily fans of that plot device, um, I, I think, I think there's enough clues to, to point towards, yeah, this is what's going on. Mm. 
I think that it explains away a lot of the frustrations and also something that I'm going to get into uh, once we discuss why I think that's what's going on. I feel like this is an incredibly personal movie for the director. Like watching this movie, I feel like either someone close to him died in a car wreck or he was in a wreck that either caused him to be in the hospital for a prolonged period of time or had a near death experience or something. This movie absolutely to me feels like life is short and you need to stop wasting your time. Just sitting on the couch, watching a screen. You need to be out living life and doing something. And not just because the conversation where Marcus says basically that, but Mm -hmm. there's just, there's something about this movie that feels like the director working through his own grief through having Marcus die and work through his own grief. It, it feels yeah. more personal than just a story that to me carries almost the entire weight of the film because of how much I connect to, you know, like the psychology of movies and, and, and things like that. Mm. You're about to say something. Eric. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't, I don't love that interpretation. I, I do agree with it. I think that that is definitely a valid interpretation. I, I tend to not like movies that are like that just because it, it makes everything feel kind of um, pointless right? to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Like all of this exists inside your head, so nothing really mm-hmm. happened. Other than it's just, a, it's just a way to replicate that emotional experience using, you know, uh, a, an artifice that we create in this film or whatever. Right. Um, but I do, I do agree that I think that this film is some sort of attempt to come to terms with some kind of traumatic event. Um, whether that's a car accident, which in the film it is implied that maybe there was a car accident and that's why he is in this kind of purgatorial state because it begins. There is, and there's ends. literally no other reason for the car crash. Then. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning yeah, be- and at the end. <clears throat> which I feel like is vital (laughs) to explaining things. Here's here's my, my interpretation because I don't like dream logic, like things that are supposed to be all in someone's head is he had a, he had a, uh, a vision when he was asleep that there was going to be a car accident. And then he woke up, had to go through this. And then he comes to this epiphany moment and walks outside and gets hit by a car. See, that to me is even worse. (laughs) Oh, it's so so either the dead zone or Jacob's ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's definitely a worse interpretation, but I find that fun. I like Um, even more specifically with talking about, like, I think that he's dead the entire time. I very specifically think that the car wreck at the beginning, because like you have a shot of a gun on a nightstand and then uh, like it cuts to black and you have the sound of a car wreck. And then you have um, uh, Marcus waking up in his apartment and goes through things. And I have other details in a minute, but the movie starts with the sound of a car crash after the credits, you have that sound of the car crash again. Yeah. I think that the entire movie is the like two seconds of that car crash. And everything that he's experiencing is his life flashing before his eyes in those again, milliseconds before he dies, but he has wasted his life doing nothing And that is why so much of it is just him in his apartment, not really doing anything. Cause I feel like, I feel like when his life flashed before his eyes, he realized I've wasted my life, 
rather than thinking back on the good times, rather than thinking back on the important moments, rather than thinking back on uh, his successes and how he's overcome failures. It Mm. literally is just wake up in your apartment, can't find your phone, can't play your games, can't watch movies, the TV's on the fritz, can't do anything. Yeah. Guess I'll get a little stoned and then break things and then die. Like, yeah, his apartment door is basically like the gates of heaven. Like his apartment mm-hmm. is St. Peter and then his door is, you know, trying to it's like trying to determine whether or not he's going to get in. Well, whether and, or not he's going to actually open the door and move on to the next stage. And and that's where there's a little bit of like, all right, I don't know if he actually died and he's yeah going out of yeah. purgatory or if he was like in a coma. And that is him coming out of his coma so that he can live life. But. Oh, yeah. There, there are so many things that to me I do like the ambiguity of it though I, I like the ambiguity um, and I like the fact that it's not a <clears throat> this was all fake because you were dead the entire time because I do think that it's still conveying what he was feeling and and again I do feel like hmm. this movie is very personal for the director to the point where that again for me is carrying a lot of weight but yeah. here are some of my bits of evidence where uh, I think he's dead or dying the entire time I mentioned a little bit earlier the sound at the beginning, um, like with some of that music design. There is a, well, first off, you have like the little heart monitor visual that's uh, beeping across. But you also have a tone that's in the opening music after the sound of the car wreck (laughs) that sounds like, uh, you know, like when you're watching a movie and there's a big car wreck and you have like that ding of like the door being open or like the airbag having uh, been uh, exploded whatever where there's just that kind of like ding 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 like it mm-hmm. sounds kind of like that but distorted and mixed into the music so i feel like that was the sound of like his car making whatever that post wreck ding is you gotcha yeah uh mm-hmm. the first words out of his mouth even though he is describing his phone is please don't be dead the phone oh, cord yeah is destroyed like he is unplugged which could have been like maybe he was in a coma for a while and people were unplugging him um talking with his neighbor she's she's asking him questions that are getting him to think about you know how he spent his life and you know how did he deal with uh, coping when he was a kid through boxing how uh, did he meet his girlfriend how long have they been together why aren't they married like she's asking these questions to kind of get him to think about his life and her name mm. is Aleth, as in ye olde English of what aileth thee, brethren? Yeah. And so, like, I, I feel like his conversations with his neighbor are his attempts at trying to understand what has disappointed him about his life. But because he has been, like, so resistant to ever mm. dealing with any of these issues, that's why it's so surface level. Uh, Dan and I were talking before you joined us, Eric, about how she could have pushed him harder, like rather than just, so how'd you all meet? It could have been, why aren't you married, you noncommittal prick? Maybe not to that extent. (laughs) That is something like the fact that she, because Aleth, I do agree, like she's not really a character. Like there's, you don't learn much about her other than just like every now and then she'll be like, oh yeah, I did drugs once, or or, I like drugs, whatever it is. (laughs) I like the smell of weed. No one likes the smell of weed. Well, that's not true that is true i have known plenty of stoners and pl- while many of them will describe the smell as that smells like good weed uh all of them are and like there's a reason they it call smells it stoned, but terrible there's a reason they don't sell a lot of weed scented candles exactly <laughs> does not smell good but like um 
I do agree. Like, I think though that if Aleth is supposed to be a sounding board, like him reckoning don't, with, don't you mean these, a <clears throat> sounding wall? A sounding wall, yes, literally like a sounding board. Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think that interpretation is correct. I'm still sticking with my more fatalistic version, uh, just because I'm a contrarian and I like to disagree with you all the time. Obviously, sure. Um, I, I do think that that logically explains away some of the problems I have with the film, like the fact that Aleth isn't more of a character, that we don't know more about her. It explains away agree. the time about how like there's no passage of time because time isn't actually passing. Because it's still, yeah, right. he's, he's stuck in that spot, which I, I think is what's happening because, you know, the movie ends with a... I, I love the last shot, the ending where it shows the clock stuck on the wall. Right, like an... Uh, like an really cool. At the wrong time. Yeah. It, At the wrong time, yeah. I, I love the fact that it was an analog <laughs> clock running off of a battery, so there's no reason why it should have stopped. But the minute hand was too close to the three. It it was more like 12, 14, 14 not 12, 12. That, 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 uh, that, that's just trying to illustrate that time doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's just like in the two uh, minutes past when that's all that that's the entire time it took for this to happen. Maybe, maybe. Minutes. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. You know what? I'm OK with that. I'm, I'm on board with that explanation. It took two minutes for this entire movie to play out. Yeah. Yeah, the, the um, two minutes that it took the yeah, ambulance the to get there after exactly. Aleth called the nine one one from hearing the gunshot, because maybe he shot himself rather than got in a car wreck. Who knows? I don't know. He shot himself in the car. Yes, I don't know. Anyway, that's not where I was getting. At. Um, but I do. What was I getting at? Uh, so he Aleth is kind of a sounding board, but I do think that the biggest issue is there isn't enough tension there. That she isn't pushing him enough. Like if that is the implication, she needs to be like get it together dipshit like you know what yeah. i mean like she's not she really doesn't push him she just kind of like she's more like a therapist just like and how does that make you feel and what are you going to do about it and how do you blow off steam like what's going on yeah, yeah. she either needs to be building him up or tearing him down exactly yeah, yeah. even the most simple of therapies go beyond those general questions right yeah which it's like that that's the part you don't ever get yeah. in in movies or whatever unless it's like the sopranos where yeah, it's like, hey, I mean, I'm gonna ask you the question and then offer you. Yeah, and I'm 100% on board with this. This is purgatory. This is him working through some shit. My issue is that he doesn't work through any shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like once he, once they, once he acknowledges, okay, <clears throat> yeah, um, I was because like, like one of my favorite things in this movie is when he talks about the ring. Yeah, I bought my girlfriend the ring. But then we had a fight and I put it away. And I mean, because my girlfriend and I got just again, I should always say fiance because we are technically engaged. We got engaged during the pandemic. And part of the hardest part for me was figuring out the right time to ask the question because it's like, okay, well, I was going to ask her when we went to this concert of our, you know, one of our favorite musicians was having a concert. We, were, we had tickets. I was going to ask her on that trip shit that got canceled <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah okay can't ask her then well we were gonna go to boston because we love the commons and one of our favorite movies together is goodwill hunting so what you know i was gonna propose to her on the bench that sean <laughs> and matt damon sit at well well f now we can't travel out of maine because it requires <laughs> a two-week quarantine and she's a nurse so she can't two-week quarantine yeah well, okay so i can't do it in the summer well, maybe when maybe by fall because we we were going to go to Sleepy Hollow, 
and oh, I can do it then because it'll be great to do it on that. Oh, uh, well, f- now we can't do that trip. <laughs> so yeah. I got his frustration mm-hmm. of, okay, you, you, keep, you feel like you keep missing your moment to do it because mm-hmm. something else happens. Well, and even that starting piece of we yeah. got into a fight about something stupid and I don't remember what. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have absolutely been there. Yeah. My wife and I have gotten into arguments where I can remember how I felt mm-hmm. gun to my head. I yeah. could not explain what yeah. we were upset about. I remember the argument. Right, yeah. I have mm-hmm. no idea what we were upset about, and it doesn't even matter. So, like, little things like that are, like, mm-hmm. handled so beautifully and so realistically of this feels like a genuine relational Mm -hmm. experience and a genuine relational frustration of when am I going to do it? And then just all of this time passes, all of that felt so good. And then left it, left it on the table and moved on. I think that the literally left the character development in the uh, dresser (laughs) by the bed. Mm -hmm. I, it's it's just interesting because I think that like this movie is very much about him trying to come to terms and have that cathartic moment. But I think the problem is, like you said, it, there's not enough tension and it doesn't mm-hmm. build to it quite effectively. And I think the yeah. main reason is because of the structure of this film. So like, I like the idea of, you know, like I've, I wrote a screenplay for a screenwriting class that was about working. It was literally just clerks, but working in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing to crack about that is like, how do you, structure a plot that's just around a just about a day at work or whatever Mm -hmm. so how do you structure a plot for a movie like this that's just being stuck in a single space and i like the idea of like okay the structure of this film is we're going through the five stages of grief Mm -hmm. like i think that's a really interesting creative exercise and you get the sense that like this was again it's something that um that they were compelled to make um, it's something that like clearly Austin Allen James is working through something and he does that in a way that's like, okay, first bit, let's go through, um, fuck, I don't even know what, what are the stages of grief? Um, denial. denial. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issue though, is that because it is so broken up between those different parts, it's like you have denial and then cut to black, then anger. Like there's not a, there's not a progression necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, we, there's this kind of rule of screenwriting where it's like when you're writing something you use, when you're connecting scenes, you connect them with therefore or, but it's like, this guy did this, therefore he needed to go and do this. And this movie, it feels a little bit more like, and then between the parts mm-hmm. of the two different parts or the five different parts. So everything's a little disconnected. There's not that progression. And, and that was why it was a little hard for me to connect to. Um, so, yeah, and, and the other thing too is like it's it is a film that's about working through grief, but it's very unclear what that grief is. Like it's implied that there was a car accident or whatever, but is that what's going on? Is the grief that he's died or that he was suicidal, or is the grief just I'm stuck in this place? I mm-hmm. think that well, and, and know, like you said, it's implied, and we are putting this on it. It's not very clearly stated. I'm pretty sure that it's the grief of I'm missing out on life regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's I'm missing out on life because I am now dead or I'm missing out on life because all that I do is come home and watch TV or I'm missing out on life because I don't mm-hmm. take chances. Mm-hmm. But, but like, even though I do think that that theme does come across. See, I consider that it, more regret though than grief. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And, and that's one of the things that that's, does bug me <clears throat> is I, I understand the title cards. 
And again, <laughs> thinking of it in terms of a one person play makes sense. And it totally helps it with uh, keep it in that 72 minute runtime, which thank you for not bloating this movie and having it be like a, you know, 115 minute movie. This very easily could have been bloated and just like, ugh. so I appreciate the fact that it was a much shorter movie and having those title cards did help with the shorthand. However, it was telling us what he was experiencing rather than showing it. And I think one of the parts that like really highlighted that for me again, in, in sort of a frustrating way was the boxing scene and then that destruction montage, two of the coolest looking scenes in the movie, like the boxing scene. Yeah, looks great. That boxing. Scene, yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. And, and again, like the lighting in that and to be able to have it artfully shot with everything just being backlit, but in a way that you could still see. And like it, mm-hmm. it was, again, very artfully shot that destruction montage. I can totally relate. And it feels super relevant. But. The boxing was when Aleth was asking him, essentially, how did you blow off steam? Oh, I used to be a boxer. And he still has the boxing uh, bag in his apartment. I don't know why that wasn't a thing that he thought of, but whatever. It doesn't matter. You go through the scene of I box to relieve my tension. This is what I do to let off my steam. This is one of the ways that I cope with my anger. And Mm -hmm. then never returns to it. And then when he is going through anger and destroying things, it's like, what, why didn't you just go back to your boxing bag and, and let out some of your steam there? It doesn't make sense. Again, it makes sense with the title cards of now that you are in anger, you are destroying things, but you're telling me that it could have been so, so much more effective for him to, you know, have that boxing scene early on. And then a little bit later, when he is getting a lot more rage filled and dealing with that anger to go back to the boxing bag and to let out some of that aggression, but for it not to help for him to get carried away, knock over the boxing bag and it destroy something and him be like, Fuck, that felt good and then yeah. destroy things. A, a very minor change, but that change could have shown so much mm-hmm. more of, of the character and actually let us feel more of that emotion rather than us analyze the emotion into it. And, and and it sounds like we're being a little bit harsh with this, but I don't think so because again, if this movie sucked, we wouldn't be talking about it. If I had watched this movie and been like, yeah, no, then Mm. we would absolutely not be talking about it. I, I did feel like it was good enough and there was enough potential and there was a strong enough theme for us to discuss it. Yeah. It's just that frustration of come on, man, you got it right here. Now Mm. run with it. You gave us these pieces go further. Um, And uh, Dan, again, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, but um, what you picked up on with his conversation with Aleth about his boxing record. Mm -hmm. Where, it didn't seem to fit in with the rest of his character because he had talked about how he won just as many fights as he lost, which to me says, this is a guy who perseveres. This isn't, you know, getting punched in the face is not the way I want to spend my free time. So it's got to be something I love doing. And it's, if you lose a, you know, half as much as you win, you know, just as much as you win, it's 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 telling me that you you're trying to better. 
You're trying to get mm -hmm. better. And again, you're trying to get better at something that requires you to be punched in the face for minutes at a time. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, yep. I this it's isn't funny. like I'm, I need to get better at crocheting where you're just dropping a stitch here and there. <laughs> you know, it's someone is punching you in the nose with all of their might. So mm -hmm. to me, that t that tells me that he's he's a guy who's not afraid of a challenge. He's not he's not going to back down. He's not going to give in very easily. And that doesn't really jive with some of the other stuff that happens in the film. Right. For me. And, unless it had been a, I didn't used to give up, but mm -hmm. life sucked that drive out of me, which I can understand. Yeah. Like I started. Yeah. I developed, I, de I got punched in the liver so much. I developed that liver condition that is dropped briefly right. into the mix mm -hmm. when he's talking about his medication running out. And again, cause then I would get his frustration. Like, you know, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. <laughs> he just lapses into the end of the, the monologue yeah. from Raging Bull. <laughs> but I developed a liver condition, and because of that, I uh -huh. couldn't box anymore, and therefore I am frustrated with life. Right. You know, I feel or like I misunderstood the boxing why, thing too. Or maybe that's why he can't. Maybe that's why he's stuck in a rut. Because liver conditions can take a lot out of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you you get very close to dying with liver conditions. So, yeah, I could see why someone who maybe was very active beforehand, now that that is taken away, because, I mean, this is something I have lived through recently with developing high blood pressure, where it's like, all of a sudden, oh, no, you need to stop exercising for a while. And guess what? Now you're going to gain some weight. Because so that's good gonna, for your heart, too. Which, yeah, which is going to piss you off even more because this is what has happened to me since I've gone on medication. I've mm. probably put on 25 pounds and I used to be a very active person. And then the quarantine hit and then you yeah. start to develop, you develop a little bit of that self-loathing mm. where it's like, shit, I just want to go do this and I physically can't because it could do some damage to me. Yeah. And the, le the longer that I don't do that, I start to develop all these other things that are going to inhibit me from doing what I really like. I, I mean, it doesn't feel like just, you know, three years ago, I was climbing mountains for fun. Well, every yeah. summer. I was going and climbing Mount Katahdin, Katahdin at the end of the Appalachian Trail. And now, for the longest time during the quarantine, I got tired taking my dog for a walk. And that I get winded putting my shoes on yeah. sometimes. <laughs> and that's an incredibly frustrating thing to feel. So yeah. I could get where that could have been something that contributed to his character being stuck in a rut. But it's he mentions the liver medication, and that's that's that. <laughs> I, I wanted to see that more fully explored. Because yeah. mm -hmm. that would have given me so much character insight into him. You know? Yeah. I used to love to do this and now I can't fuck it sucks and it makes days not worth living yep. you know some days <laughs> Eric you were about to say something oh I, I feel like I've missed the uh, the organic segue but I was but in my mind I was thinking about how like to kind of take it back around to the fact that this is the the existential threat in this movie is pretty vague, right? Like mm -hmm. he, the reason he can't go out of his apartment is because the, the air is toxic is kind of the way that it's described. But what's weird about that, like it's a little too vague for me to connect to the actual film itself and to the struggles that Marcus kind of goes through in the movie, like to understand 
why this is causing him to go through grief like like because grief it has to be precipitated by trauma a trauma of some sort and i don't understand what the trauma is but i do think like to give it a little bit of credit it's caused me to kind of reflect on it and fill that void with the trauma that we have all experienced collectively over the past year like I'm, i know we keep bringing it back to covid but what what it really made me think about was the fact that like yes we were all totally isolated but we were still connected. Like at no point is Marcus ever connected to anything outside of this room. Mm-hmm. You know, well, like with us, we're stuck in our house. Of the like his phone's dead and all of that stuff yeah. in terms of explaining it. So it's not oh, yeah, just yeah, like no. a it, out except of Except for some reason, his GameCube doesn't work anymore. Oh my God. That's the funniest <laughs> thing. And that's the, I think that's actually the real trauma is it's like, I'm stuck in this place and I can't play a game or watch TV. So I just have to yeah. stare at the walls. That's what the, that's what that's I would the be frustrated is. if I couldn't play my GameCube. If I, had a GameCube <laughs> I would have gone around. insane were it not for movies. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But like one, one thing that's been kind of like, it's made me reflect on is like this past year, like it feels, it feels like, we've all gone through this collective trauma, but we're also experiencing it vicariously. Like it sounds weird to say it that way because like millions of people have died over the past month. I mean, over the past year for, from this, hopefully not over the past month, um, <laughs> over, over this pandemic. But like, it's for me personally, it's outside of my sphere of like outside of my world. Mm-hmm. And then c- couple that with things like, you know, the, all of the protests and stuff that happened over the summer and the election and all of these things are like, they were traumatic, but I did not directly experience, experience these things. So like, I still don't feel like I have, or I have really processed this past year. And I think that's true for almost everyone. Like, I don't think for those of us who were not like directly affected, like had a spouse die from COVID or something, you know, we've just been bored in our homes, Mm, but, but it is just making me think about the fact that like, I wonder and my entire world, has changed in a way that is almost imperceptible to a certain extent. And so that's kind of like what this movie was making me reflect on. I do wish that, I don't know if it would be better. I think with the explanation we've come up with, it makes sense that he's not connected to the outside world. But I also think that I probably could have been a little bit more on board with what he's going through. If like, say he, could connect to his parents. Like, you know, he talks about his parents or his girlfriend. Like, he doesn't know where they're at. But if he did find out, like, oh, no, they died or something. You know, like, I feel like there just need to be some sort of external thing that connected him to the outside world to understand the trauma. And, you know, you get a little bit with the car crash, but it's a little too abstract for me personally to connect with. So that's kind of how, like, I filled that empty glass with thinking about, like, oh... (sighs) I don't want to sound like I'm whining or whatever, say that like this past year has been traumatic for me because it hasn't really, but it also kind of has like, it's, mm-hmm. it's this weird thing that I don't really know how to wrap my head around yet. Yeah, and I don't, it's, it gets into that varying levels of trauma. Well, and right, it's also yeah. that shared trauma of, even if you have not experienced it, you are also a caring human being and mm-hmm. can experience empathy for those who right. have. And exactly. And, and, and so like there, there's two more things that I want to mention uh, because we've actually been talking about this for a while. Uh, and I want us to get to our fun bits before we wrap things up. Uh, and I meant our fun segment, not our literal fun bits, because that's not what this <laughs> podcast is about. So to, to yes. what you were just saying uh, of like, you've not experienced a trauma, but like there is this sheer trauma and there are so many people who have been suffering so much worse 
that relates directly to what I was saying earlier of I've been doing okay with this pandemic in the sense that I'm an introvert. I mm. like the fact that I've not been having to deal with as many people. I yeah. kind of love the fact that when I go to a store, I have a mask on my face. And so if I see someone across the store that I don't want to talk to, it's harder for them to recognize me and come across the store yeah. and talk to me when I don't want to talk to them. Yeah. And I've always, I always had a ready-made excuse that I didn't want to hang out with someone. Exactly. Now you have a real, yeah. yeah. Now, I do like that. Like real excuses. Well, and, and like, I'm not trying to make light of the situation because again, it is incredibly tragic and I in no way whatsoever want to minimize the tragedy of the hundreds of thousands, if not million, hundreds, oh, half a million in America alone. So yes, millions of people who have died over the last year and a half just from COVID. Like I, I'm not trying to minimize that whatsoever that absolutely is incredibly tragic and it is that shared trauma that even though i personally thank god have not lost anyone to covid i am friends with people who have and i I, again i have a soul and so the fact that there are millions of people dead from a global pandemic that shit matters and so it's Mm. like all of these things are just weighing down in a way yeah. that even though I don't necessarily want to just be around people for the sake of being around people, as much as I absolutely adore my wife and kids, there are some days that there's just that like, I'm just fucking lonely. And and again, yeah. not and for angry. Anything. Like that's the right. thing over this past. I've been so angry over right. the past year, just seeing people react to this and not take it seriously and prolong it through just mm-hmm. sheer selfishness and it's been making me angry and it's like that more than anything is what's affecting me it's like it is affecting like how i feel about humanity in general it's making me cranky all the time like it and it's it's legitimately affected my relationships to people whom i previously would have considered like some of my favorite people in the world like people that i love that i now like have these like weirdly mm-hmm. strained relationships with because i've seen like how much more callous they can be well it was your fault people. for saying that we needed to cover it follows so that one's on you <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the right, here's yeah. the thing with all of that Still going through the stages of grief <laughs> here's the thing with all of that still in denial all of that is what we are bringing to the movie and i i think that this is okay th- this is my biggest complaint but also in a way my biggest compliment sort of I'm, I'm going to use an analogy that going to have to debrief because if i just leave it at the analogy it sounds like i'm being much harsher than what i mean it to this movie is like a swimming pool that you know the the person who built the swimming pool was very intentional with how they designed the pool and they made sure that it was big enough to accompany a, a to a company uh, to hold uh, a large number of people and they made sure to put the proper signage to let you know where the deep end is. And it is very clear signage. This is the deep end. And the movie stays in the shallow end the entire time. And, and, and the thing that's so frustrating about that is the shallow end 
or the deep end is there. You are giving all of the signs to let us know the deep end's right here. Sometimes it's the literal signage, like saying six feet deep or stages of grief. So like you're literally telling us rather than letting us experience it. But you also have so many of those components in place for here is the deep end. And if you just wait a little bit further out, it is going to be a much different experience. And the movie doesn't go there. And and I think that's what's so frustrating is the three of us. We've been spending a long time, like we spent about an hour and a half discussing this movie. So we have way gone over the runtime of this movie in discussing <laughs> it. There is stuff to talk about with this movie. There is a lot of really good things that we have said about this movie. There is a lot to discuss with the themes that are presented. You know, uh, like Dan, you mentioned this when we were talking about our Godzilla versus Kong episode when I was like, oh, this movie's so dumb. This movie's so dumb. Like, yeah, you're still talking about it two weeks after seeing it. You love the movie. No matter how much you hate the movie, you love the movie if you're still talking about it. And some of that applies here. Frustrations aside, I do think that the themes that are presented are portrayed in a strong enough way that it has gotten us talking about very serious issues over the last couple of hours. The Mm -hmm. deep end is there, but we had to jump in and, and, and again, I know that that sounds very harsh, but I mean that as like the most positive of this movie has that potential. So many of those pieces are in place. So much of that groundwork is set to support that depth. You know where that depth is. You know why the stages of grief matter, not just during a pandemic, but even prior to the pandemic, what this person is experiencing is incredibly relatable. And if this is something that is the the director, like working through his own grief again, that emotion, I, I did get that from this movie. I do feel like the director did put a part of himself into this movie. And so again, it sounds like I'm being harsh to the movie saying, oh, you stayed in the shallow end. But what I mean by that is if just a few more risks were taken, if you just went a little bit further out, then I think that this movie absolutely has that potential to be an incredibly strong movie. And that is why I want to watch the next thing that he makes. That is why I want to watch more from him is because I do see that potential I do feel that emotion. I do get that he has put his heart into this movie and I want to see what happens next. I just also want uh, Austin to push it a little bit further. Don't just lay the groundwork for grief. Show us that grief. Don't tell us about the grief. Make us experience it. Let us weep for this character. Not because he told us a sad story, but because we feel his pain and it's there. It's it's there. I know you can do it. You just need to do it. Yeah. Eric, you were about to say something. I have already forgotten what I was going to say. Okay. Sorry. Well, my mind ke- my mind keeps wondering because I just realized that I forgot to prepare uh, a portion of our uh, of our next segment. Oh, so. you mean the segment <laughs> that you yourself that said, "Hey, let's with, do." Explicitly said, "Yes, let's do yep. this." I'm very excited for this, and then completely <laughs> forgot. Yep, uh, I got it. I got this. Okay. Well, um, uh, so in in terms I think of, that, I yeah, guess I guess where I was going to go was basically just saying, like, I think that ultimately the value of this film is the fact that it it is it does feel very personal. 
And I think for me personally, um, I don't know why I said it that way. I'm an idiot. Um, but I, when it comes to filmmaking, I think what I value more than anything is sincerity. And this movie is absolutely sincere. Yes. Um, and again, like I said, at the very top of the thing, what, what I love about it is it is something that is that came straight from the heart. Like it is not something with any kind of commercial interest, not trying to sell you anything. It's just like, here, this is a thing that I made because I needed to make it. Yep. And I really hope that, you know, I hope that he achieved the kind of the same kind of catharsis that Marcus achieves in the end of the film. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so tying back in some of that initial context, you watched amusement park beforehand. I watched amusement park immediately after. So mm-hmm. like I kind of had a one, two punch of watching a movie about wasting your life and not seizing the moment. And like, come on, you got to do more with your life straight into your old and life sucks now. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, that was a real one, two punch for me. And I was sad. Uh, I, I, I was sad. Uh, so congratulations. Um, a, an, an emotional movie about grief made me sad. Mission accomplished. Um, all right. <laughs> I, I kind of mentioned this at our beginning with the um, recommendations in terms of, yes, it has its flaws, but I absolutely think that it's worth checking out. I, I, I venture to guess that the uh, rewatchability is going to be roughly the same for all of us in terms of the movie itself, though I do think it deserves to be seen by others. And Dan, like you said, if there was a physical copy supporting the arts, yeah, I, I would probably buy to support the arts. I would be vastly more interested in watching what's next than revisiting this one. But again, we've talked about movies that we love that rewatch that we've rewatched like once every few years. So saying this movie might not be that rewatchable. I I mean, come on. I I said about aliens that I might only rewatch it like once every three or four years. So I mean, crazy. I, I did say about It Follows that the only reason I ever want to rewatch that is because I've forgotten how much I hate it and uh, remember how beautiful the cinematography is and then get angry at the movie again. Um, so Will yeah. we ever no, I, an episode without bringing up It Follows? No, because I would, <laughs> I, I would rather, I definitely would much rather rewatch Who's With Me than It Follows. You All will right, never so. let me have my catharsis on this because you keep bringing up the fact that you don't like It Follows and it just deeply upsets me every single time like it, i take it almost as a personal attack at this point i know i'm like damn it i know especially it's, if, it's oh, no, part like, of why I'm i do it so i'm not going there all right so uh we've been talking for a very long time we need to wrap things up soon but before we do our extra bits in this episode was uh eric's suggestion so eric describe to us what we are about to do yeah so um one thing I did not note, uh, I had a joke prepared that I totally forgot to do, and it was that Who's With Me has a very questionable title, because it is literally a question. Um, and so it was making me think about, like, the idea, uh, like, it made me think about, like, what other movies out there have titles that end with a question mark? Um, because it's not something that you see a lot. And I was like, ooh, this would be a fun idea to have a double feature where the first film poses a question and then the second film of the double feature answers that question. So the idea was to basically just, here's the question, here's the punchline. And then Nathan, you added on the bit about like, let's take that and let's actually 
see what those movies would be if we combined those. Exactly. So, for example, who's with me? The Iron Giant. And in the same way that Marcus is struggling with his own humanity right before he dies in a car wreck, the Iron Giant had to struggle with his own um, robotity right before he blew up in a nuclear explosion and had to have that same coming to term with who he is. And he had to bring himself back together. And at the end, uh, the Iron Giant scoops up Marcus, who in turn scooped up the turtle and both of them uh, walked out into the world to be not dead. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Um, so I had one, I paired one with who's with me as well. And <laughs> so mine is who's with me, Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's exactly the same movie, but Aleth is played by Denise Richards and, Lady Turtle is actually a T-Rex controlled by Paul Walker's brain. And Paul Walker's brain is Marcus. So like that's Marcus trying <laughs> to break through yes. that that barrier. The barrier. Yes. The barrier. It's of an apartment. Actually, I like that better. Mm-hmm. Who's Lady Turtle? Then? I don't know. But no, I do like Lady the idea Turtle that the is brain... the T-Rex. But Marcus oh, but he's is in. Okay. Yes. Marcus is the Paul T-Rex Walker. Is the apartment. But but I still like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Dan, do you have a who's with me answer? I know that you've got a few others prepared. I did. I did not. I, sh- I should have done that one, but I did not. All right. So uh, here was my next one. Dude, where's my car? Pacific Rim, in which um, the, the two stoners from Dude, Where's My Car? Uh, I don't. Ashton Kutcher and other dude. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. Two stoners. John Leonard Scott. Yes. No. Uh, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Sean Wayne Scott. Sean Wayne. Yeah, Sean Wayne. Yeah. yeah. I think matter. you got him. You you uh, transposed yeah. him and Robert Sean Leonard. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to see those two in a film. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been even better. <clears throat> so those two stoners uh, in their quest to find their car realize that like they really formed a connection. So much so that they have somehow discovered that you are like insanely more drift compatible if you just get stoned with your co-pilot. So they go to the old Kaiju University to basically teach them the power of weed and like, you know, to walk them through the steps of getting stoned together so that you can then um, essentially drift as one with your co-pilot to power your Kaiju or not your Kaiju, your uh, Jaeger. However, naturally things go south and they get stoned and they lose their Jaeger. And so the rest of the movie is them pairing up with a, um, a, a rogue kaiju weed salesman to try to find what happened to their lost Jaeger. Man, you take, the, you take these a lot farther than I do. Um, you know what's I, funny? I, have, I take movies seriously. I also had a, a dude where's my car pairing. Only mine was, dude, where's my car? Inside Lou and Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this one because you can literally like it works perfectly as a double feature because in my mind, it's like they think they found the car. But at the end, the aliens like right before they're about to get the car back, the aliens in that film transport it through time and it ends up getting stuck literally inside Lou and Davis. So, <laughs> so then exactly. It's an interface it's just a toy car. But then what <laughs> happens is somehow um, Ashton Kutcher and uh, Sean William Scott have to travel back in time 
to, you know, like 1960s Greenwich Village and figure out a way to get inside Lewin Davis to recover the car. <laughs> See, I'm gonna pair I'm gonna pair Dude Where's My Car with Mad Max Fury Road. Ooh. Oh nice. <laughs> where those the two stoner cars guys in a search for their car end up becoming part of a Morton Joe's crew. <laughs> and instead of just getting high on weed and stuff that they start, you know. <laughs> what if they start doing the spray paint? <laughs> yeah. They what just decide to up spray paint instead. <laughs> Oh man, I love it. I had a few other. Actually, I have a few. Oh, I was a little bit more prepared for this than I realized. Uh, I had a bunch where I didn't like. I had pairings, but I didn't come up with the narrative portion of mm -hmm. it. But I'm I'm coming up with them on the spot the, here. The, the narrative is fun. Um. All right, Dan. Since uh, I I did the last one, what is your pairing with a uh, certain River Phoenix movie? You mean Johnny Depp? Do I mean Johnny Depp? Who am I thinking of? You mean of? Johnny Depp? Do I? Are you talking about what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yes. Yes. Is, is River it's Phoenix not in that? I don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> he is. Leo, Leo DiCaprio is in it. Yeah, yeah, but isn't isn't River Phoenix in it? Maybe nope. he is. What, what I am know. I thinking of? It's that? been a while since I've seen it. I'm pairing what's what's eating Gilbert Grape with the cook, the thief, his wife. Oh, and damn it! Okay, I also this is so. I also have a pairing with the with the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Uh, where damn. once Gilbert Grape's mother dies, he decides to go out exploring the world and ends up working at a fancy restaurant, where he becomes the waiter who is brought into the drama between the mobster and his wife, who is having an affair with the cook. So he he finds out all about it beforehand. And then, you know, just gets caught up in that. I had I had a couple for What's Eating Gilbert Grape that I didn't have a narrative for, but I think the narratives speak for themselves. So What's Eating Gilbert Grape? All the President's Men, where Johnny Depp gets entangled in the Watergate conspiracy. Sure. Ooh, I have one that ties into Watergate as well. <laughs> so I, Just not those I, two movies. <laughs> I also have a What's Eating Gilbert Grape. <clears throat> what's Eating Gilbert Grape? Godzilla. Mm, delicious. <laughs> that's it. Godzilla. That, that's it. I had I, ha I had another one that was just what's eating Gilbert Grape? You and me and everyone we know because Johnny <laughs> Depp is scrumptious in that movie. <laughs> nice. Oh man. Oh god. <clears throat> okay. All right. Do we next? have other ones? Oh yeah. I've, 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 got, I've, got, I've two got two more. more. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead with mine. Uh, this one is highly inappropriate at first from it sounds, but it's also paying homage to our missed Junus Q, even though it doesn't use any of the films, it involves one of the jokes in there. So, okay. what women want? Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Mel Gibson, once he develops the ability to hear what women actually want, unfortunately can only hear the thoughts of Michelle Williams and Kristen Stunt <laughs> As they slowly, accidentally uncover Water Watergate, which leads him as an advertising executive to actually break the Watergate story before anyone else, because My he God. can their particular thoughts. <laughs> I love this, Fantastic. but I also what I'm thinking of is you pair it with Dick, but what they're hearing is the thoughts of Richard Nixon, and you then <laughs> pair it in a triple feature with what's that movie with Philip Baker Hall where he plays Richard Nixon, where it's literally just like him acting out the tapes you know what i'm talking about oh shit. What is yes, that? Is that I, can't remember I don't I cannot know. remember 
this is gonna bother me um anyway that is a movie that i was thinking of anyway but <laughs> i'm gonna have to look this up in a minute um whose turn is it is it my turn sure go ahead um who framed roger rabbit the cook the thief his wife and her lover which <laughs> in this one what you do it what the film is actually about is just like instead of being about the restaurant and the cook the thief his wife and her lover it's focused on the ink and paint club <laughs> in, uh, in who framed roger rabbit and then of course jessica rabbit is actually the helen mirren role in the cook the thief and his, his wife and her that's lover. phenomenal that's <laughs> i'm watching that movie <laughs> you could also go with who framed roger rabbit scarface because i mean come on <laughs> whatever kind of crack you're snorting that's going to turn you into a cartoon you know you're going to want some of that in Miami <laughs> oh right. man also oh wait hold on does anybody else have another one I don't want to jump line here uh, I, I'm, I'm not all out I'm I've, <laughs> I've got two more one of them I think is good one of them um, I, I think is perfect Okay, I have one that cannot be the last one because it's way too dark and I don't actually have a narrative for it uh, because I don't actually want to know what the narrative is for it. And also because the first film is a movie that I literally have no idea what it's about, but the title is funny. And the title is, Did You Hear About the Morgans? <laughs> and <laughs> the pairing is, so it's, Did You Hear About the Morgans? Freddie Got Fingered. <laughs> <laughs> wrong all right i'm sorry i'm I'm so sorry that's lovely all right oh brother where art thou on the night train to terror wherein (laughs) we are (laughs) we're taking uh the story of oh brother where art thou back to its classic roots of uh the odyssey where uh odysseus's entire entire journey is essentially like a giant puppet show controlled by the gods in much the same way that on Night Train to Terror, you have God and the devil playing a game of chess over the souls of people who are about to die. And so uh, Odysseus, very specifically George Clooney's um, version of Odysseus, is being manipulated by God and Satan. But because Satan is a cheater, he sends his little um, no-eyed bounty hunter to try to hunt him down. But, um, you know, because God has nature, he wipes him out in a flood. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've, mm. um, I've got one more. That's a good one. I, um, I kind of want to save for last. I have I have just like a general one. I think my favorite one is like for almost all of these titles, I realized that basically every single one of them pairs with Gandhi. Sure. So, like, who framed Roger Rabbit? Gandhi. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Gandhi. <laughs> Dude, where's my car? Gandhi. For me, Godzilla is the answer to all of them. Dude, Godzilla where's my car? Godzilla. He ate it. He eats everything. <laughs> that, that's pretty good, too. Um, I also, <laughs> I don't know if I don't have a narrative for this one either, but one thing I thought was funny was they shoot horses, don't they? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Man, All right. That would actually be interesting as a storyline because they shoot horses centers around like an all night dance contest. Dance competition, yeah. That somehow has to end in an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like climax. Oh, God. I actually don't know if there's an abortion in that movie, but I'm pretty sure a child died. There might as well have been. And there's an abortion in the uh, Gaspar No film, uh, in the Inner the Void. So. Yeah. Well, oh, that's man. how we'll connect those. All right. So <laughs> <clears throat> this is the last one that I have. 
Uh, I'm good if we end on this one, but if you have more, we can keep going. All right. What about Bob? He never died. In which (laughs) Bob is spoilers for it. Uh, he never died in case you've never seen it uh bob is the son of satan and an eternal vampire demon that has been you know trying to to come to terms with who he is in in a way that he can stop eating the blood of others which is why he goes to richard dreyfus to begin with is he's trying to actually seek therapy but when he's there and he sees how much he is able to torture Richard Dreyfus, he's like, ooh, it's like sucking blood, but sucking his soul away through annoyance even better. And so that is why uh, he then follows uh, Richard Dreyfus's character is to torture him to death or to torture him to craziness, but without ever actually doing anything. And that is also why no matter how many times Richard Dreyfus tries to kill him or lose him, nothing ever happens to him. Bob just keeps coming back because he is eternal. I love that. And I like that you could replace either character in either movie with the other actor. And I still want to see it. <laughs> like, I would love to see what about Bob but with that era Henry Rollins when he was like super muscular and terrifying. <laughs> or or oh, today's era Bill Murray. And he never died. <laughs> so we it are, still works either way. We are absolutely going to cover. He never died before too long because I just watched that for the first time the other night. And uh, I, I, I loved it. Oh my God. I love that movie. Nothing happens. It is, it is a very like, there, there's not really a plot. I mean, there, there's kind of this, there's not a plot. Not much happens, but holy shit. Yeah. I love that movie. I need to see that one. Oh, it's so good. Not to overhype it. It's just, I also haven't seen What About Bob because I'm I'm bad at movies. Nathan wow. is, is having a very visceral I, reaction. Dude, I can't see Dan because I'm had my thing minimized. Of yeah, you, of all of the movies <laughs> that you have not seen, and I'm 80s like, comedies are actually like a pretty big blind spot for me. Like I, I have 90s comedy. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. It's 90s. That's right. I never want to guilt anyone for the movies that they haven't seen because we did an entire series on horror movie blind spots and how no one should be guilted. And there should be excitement for the fact that someone gets to experience something new for the first time. But dude, literally, as soon as we stop recording, go watch What About Bob? It is mostly family friendly. So you could watch it maybe with your kids. You're going to have to explain a few things to them. Um, But dude... It is. It it might be peak Bill Murray. Oh, without a doubt, peak Bill Murray. Interesting. Yeah, I'm it's, so far cold on Bill Murray. Ni- at least peak '90s Bill Murray. It's right up there with Groundhog Day. See, I would put it above Groundhog Day. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, I love Groundhog Day. So, it's. <laughs> oh my god! It's so good, dude. <clears throat> but wait, wait, wait! Is it better than Garfield though? <clears throat> That's it. You're fired. Did you ever hear the yeah. reason why he ended up doing Garfield? Oh my Wasn't god, this is the funniest fucking bet. story. No, yeah. it's hilarious. It's because it was directed by Joel Cohen, C O H E N, and he and thought, he it, was thought it was directed by one of the Cohen brothers. Oh, so that's why he signed on to do it. And by then, by the time he found out, it was too late. Yeah, <laughs> I will say sure his voice is perfect like, for Garfield. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. 
Bill Murray seems like the kind of guy who literally does not read scripts until the day. Oh, like God. he's the guy that just shows up on on set. Like, what well, wasn't it with Ghostbusters? They were like terrified that they wouldn't even be able to make the movie because they didn't know if Bill Murray was even going to show up. <laughs> until, I still like, feel day. like half the movies he's been in in low in smaller parts, he wasn't supposed to be in. Right? Yeah. He just was around that day, and they <laughs> and they put him in it. Here's how good What About Bob is. When I think Bill Murray, literally the first movie that I think is What About Bob. Second is uh, a tie for Groundhog Day and Scrooged. Yeah. Ghostbusters I mean, is like third or fourth, honestly. I mean, for me, it's like it's obviously where the Buffalo roam, but uh, sure. You know. Man, it's it's so good. You you also have Richard Dreyfus just losing his shit. It is hilarious. Richard Dreyfus losing his shit is is my shit. So you you have I definitely it, need to see it. it. Oh my god! And you you seriously need to do a double feature of What About Bob and He Never Died, and watch <laughs> it with that in mind. It's uh it's something. All right, we have been talking far too long. Um, Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me on Twitter at HBO Two Front Row. Oh, is that it? I thought you had more. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm going with that time. All right. You can find the website too, but you know, go to the Twitter first and then just go from there. I realized that you had stopped. I'm going to make people do the work this month, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that you had stopped talking, but I just want to see how long we could keep that pause in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want people to go find me right now. So I was giving just them we're giving pause. them time. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to wait by Twitter until this episode is posted, <laughs> waiting for people to find you. <laughs> Eric, where do you want people to find you? You can find me on. Very good. And you can follow me on (laughs) slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. That is G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And you can also find links to Eric on each of those places because I link to him because, you know, why not? Do you really? I don't notice that. I don't. I don't pay attention. You're the worst. <laughs> Just kidding. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to keep checking back because we are about to dive into our Chattanooga Film Fest coverage. Because that starts six days from this recording. Who knows how many days from uh, the actual posting? Hopefully, only like you know four days from when it's posted. Uh, but yeah, Chattanooga Film Fest. Go to chatfilmfest.org to uh, purchase your badges for the entire weekend. Again, $65 for the uh, entire pass. Um, individual tickets are on sale for individual movies and events, but not everything has a ticket. So uh, like the secret screenings, you can only get with a badge. You cannot get individual tickets to those. And even though it is virtual, they do have a limited number for reasons. Uh, So they are going to potentially sell out. So do not wait. If you do not have your badge or your tickets yet, go to chatfilmfest.org right now and buy them. And also, while you're online spending money, go to centralcinema865.com and um, support them as well. Uh, I saw your shirt, Eric, and that is what reminded (laughs) me of it. They have some beautiful shirts. Uh, If you happen to live near Knoxville, then drive your happy ass over to Central Cinema and purchase one of their new shirts designed by Hag Cult. Because not only are they gorgeous, but they also apparently are one of the most comfortable shirts ever. They really are. I'm wearing mine right now. So I'm just speaking from experience. This shirt is absolutely 
super comfortable. So, so yeah, go buy shirts. And like I, I keep telling Nathan, everybody, like I just keep marveling at how comfortable the shirt is. And I'm not doing this as a bit like I'm going to wear this shirt all the time now. It's going to be like my go to. I need to throw a shirt on shirt because you're, you're going to wear it out. Feels. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, that'll just make it even better. It'll just make it distressed and vintage or whatever. I okay. So I'm not lying. I love the design of the shirt so much that I bought two, one for my current fat ass and one for when I eventually lose weight. So <laughs> <laughs> go to centralcinema865.com and um, either buy some shirts or buy some uh, gift certificates or, you know, if you live around here, go to the movies. They are being incredibly safe. All of the people who work there have been vaccinated. Uh, they are trying to keep everyone as safe as possible and while still also showing amazing cinema. And if you enjoy these episodes, again, keep coming back and also go back and check out our back catalog. We have covered lots of movies. The vast majority of them are good. But at one point, we also covered the Fog remake. So, you know, we also make questionable decisions in life. And if you do enjoy this uh, podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just do a search for Video Monsters. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And remember, kids, uh, don't waste your life just sitting in front of a screen. Be like us and watch more movies. You know, no, I didn't like really think that was true. From a screen, then podcast about it. Waste, <laughs> waste your life in front of a screen watching movies, and then get in front then of another screen talking about those movies, while also making recommendations for other movies to watch, which can then be talked about. I, I say that jokingly, but also this has been like one of my few creative outlets over the pandemic that oh. has helped like keep things in check. So <laughs> yeah, um, do what makes you happy as long as what makes you happy doesn't hurt other people. And you know, our sort of unofficial motto, don't be a dick. So yeah. Unless no, you are. No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, unless you are Dick in the movie Dick, but then you don't want to be that guy either. No, like you can be named Dick, Dick. You can be named Dick, but you don't want to be a Dick. You can watch Dick. Yes. You can you also can watch do... Dick, but don't can... be a Dick. I would actually recommend that. Please watch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and be a friend. Watch other people's Dicks. You know, only I mean, with like... consent. Only if you ask yes, them of first. Yes, only with consent. And they're cool Maybe, with I mean, it. Then, and if you're both vaccinated, make sure you're both vaccinated first. This is okay. a terrible way to end the podcast. Be sure to check back in July about. when we have an amazing theme planned that I cannot wait. And um, yeah, go go watch movies. Okay, bye. <laughs> you are welcome.